The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. and Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, it is so good to be home, let me tell you. The road trip from hell is over. The Athletics survived. I survived, we all survived, and it is great to be back home. And boy, do we got a good show for you today. Susan Slesser, our A's insider, is going to be by at 4.30. Travis Shawchick is a analytics guy. We're going to have a little, we're going to have, we're going to have a little adapt or die going today. It's it. time for Adapt or Die on A's Cast Live. You don't put a team together with a computer, Billy. <laughs> and then at 5 o'clock, so Susan's going to be at 4.30. I got to throw in here because we actually just taped him. You're going to get a special edition of The Build with Dave Cavill. He's going to be at 5 o'clock, the president of your organization, driving back from Sacramento. Dave, you know what Dave's like? Dave's like a bowler. And he just keeps getting up there and throwing strikes. And he's knocking down pin after pin after pin. And he will join us at 5 o'clock. Travis Shawchick will be here at 530 how about Christopher Russo, the Mad Dog from the MLB Network and Sirius XM? You know he's going to come flying in with some hot takes. We're going to have him at 6 o'clock. And then my old friend Dave Softy Mahler at 6.30 as we'll talk about this series coming up between the Athletics and the Seattle Mariners. As the Seattle Mariners got out to that 13-2 start and since they are an absolute dumpster fire absolute dumpster fire so we got a lot to get into today i will tell you this if you do have the opportunity to go down to the u.s open down at pebble beach this weekend you're going to absolutely love it because even though we got in got in late last night you know it was good to it was good to hug and kiss my kids it was great to kiss my wife it was great to sleep in my own bed I still got up super early today. It didn't matter because my body's not used to the East East Coast time zone. So I got up early, and I went down to Pebble Beach this morning, and I went to the U.S. Open. And if you're a golf fan or you just love ultimate natural beauty, there is nothing better than Pebble Beach. The greatest meeting of land and sea on the planet. There's nothing like it. And when you go out for a golf tournament – and you go out for a tournament like this. I mean, the AT&T is a lot of fun that we have every single year in February. But when it's a U.S. Open and playing for our national championship, 
And everywhere you look are stars. I mean stars. You know, it's Dustin Johnson, Graham McDowell, and Phil Mickelson. We're following him. And then later on, we're walking by the putting green, and there's Tiger Woods, and there's Jordan Spieth. I mean, it is the stars of stars if you're into golf. Now, if you don't have tickets, you're going to be in trouble because it's sold out. But if you are going, I'm telling you, you're going to love it, and the course is absolutely in beautiful shape. It's in beautiful shape. So the athletics, I find this very, very interesting. We have a lot to get into today. We're going to talk a little bit of an update on Big Poppy. Got some interesting, just basically, numbers on the great Justin Verlander. As the man at 36 years old is defying, like the great ones do, a decline in age. Usually guys, when they're 36 years old, they're not going to get better. Now, they can pitch, still win you games, and they become crafty. But are they true power pitchers at 36? How many guys really remain at the top of their game at 36? That's Justin Verlander. And I didn't see this until I got home last night off the plane. I mean, oh, the guy struck out 15 people yesterday. And they were all swinging. Numbers on his slider are just crazy. And that's something that we can talk to Travis Shawchick about. Is there something about this Houston Astros squad that they find players that they think they can make better? I want you to think about that. Here you have Justin Verlander, MVP, Cy Young, no hitters. He's done it all. But the Houston Astros evaluated him and said, you know what? We're going to trade for him. Hopefully he'll sign off on the deal, which he did, because they believe they could make him better. They just feel they're smarter than everybody else. And it's hard to it's hard to argue. Verlander's just getting better. We thought he was going to be on it because, you know, it was kind of like Roger Clemens. Now, Clemens, obviously, there's PEDs involved. But you remember there was a point where Boston was like, yeah, he's losing it. Then he goes to Toronto, and he wins back-to-back triple crowns and Cy Young Awards. Well, was that real? Well, he did it. Pretty much we know he was on PEDs. I don't flip out on that. Because everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people were on PEDs. So it was more of a level playing field than what we believed. But Clemens got the uptick all of a sudden on the fastball again. And Verlander's not doing that. That's not what Verlander's doing. Verlander still throws hard. But he's not throwing, I mean, you remember... Verlander was a guy who could get triple digits. Verlander would clu- he would he would cruise 94, 95 and then boom, he'd hump up to 100. He can't do that anymore. 
Now, I bet you if he was doing PEDs, he could. It's hard for me to believe people are doing PEDs when the testing is so stringent. And there's so much to lose. You know, these guys who think they're going to be Hall of Famers, if you risk that and you get popped and there's a test, you're risking your legacy. So that's why I think a guy like Verlander's not not doing anything. Fastball's not what it used to be, but with what they're doing there in Houston, they've made his other pitches better. And still, when you throw 94-95, you can still throw up in the zone. I mean, you just can't sit there on Verlander's fastball because Verlander's got too many weapons. Verlander's got the slider. He's got the big curveball. He's got the changeup. I mean, he, he, he's got a lot of tools. He's like Batman. He's got this tool belt, and he's got a lot of tools on the tool belt. But at 36 years old, we'll go over some of these numbers. Uh, fabulous. You know I've been talking about the baseball. And I've been harping on this since what? Spring training? A lot of people are starting to get on board, by the way. People more prominent than me are getting on board. And one of them is Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. We will have to get into that, no question about it. But the thing that I wanted to bring to you today about your Oakland Athletics and just kind of put a little bow on the trip. It's so interesting to me of how similar the athletics are now to last year's ball club. And I don't know why this happens. I don't know why when the A's are good, they don't start off hot, and it takes time, and you got to get towards summer, and then June hits, and they take off. I don't know why that happens. Why can't they ever just start off a season hot and take that all the way through the year? It's not who they are. Well, actually, it happened in 14, and the problem with 14 is they crashed and burned in the end. But the A's right now, through 69 games, and we can look at last year's team through 69 games. The A's last year through 69 games were 34 and 35. This year through 69 games, they're 35 and 34. Only separated by one game. And is this the time where the A's start to take off? I know the former GM Steve Phillips was on the program yesterday with Alex Jensen. We'll hear from him later on. The record by the Athletics last year, that this time, and then to the end of the season, was the best record in baseball. I mean, it's it's so similar, and what same thing happened. In 2012, what was the date? June 2nd? After June 2nd, the A's had the best record in baseball? Last year, what was it? June 16th, I think it was? Somewhere around there? The players change. 
but how they do business for some reason doesn't. So many times, A's teams, you can go back to the Giambi days with Tejada and the big three. It was always about the second half. It was always about when they'd first get into interleague play, they'd beat up on the National League. Because remember, back in the day, you'd, you'd, play, you'd play two rounds, basically, of interleague baseball. You'd play one in June, and you'd play one later on during the year. You didn't have it the way it is now where it's played all year long. And they would get into that first part of interleague play, get hot, and boom, go the rest of the year. But why, why do teams in, like, I don't know, 2 have the same kind of DNA as teams in 2019? That's been something that's always I, – I can't get my arms around. Why is this franchise different managers, different players, different coaches, but yet they still do business the same way? That's something we're going to ask David Force because David Force has been around here for years, and David is going to join us tomorrow for the general manager show. We'll be live on the field at 4 o'clock, getting you ready for A's baseball as the A's are starting a series against the Mariners tomorrow. Yeah, you got the Mariners and you got the Orioles coming to town. I mean, you think about how that sets up for the schedule when you talk about getting hot. So you got the Mariners, you got the Orioles, and then you got the Rays for four. And boy, I can tell you this. Leaving Tropicana Field, I have an immense respect for those guys. And you should too as they're coming in for four. I want to just give you that kind of idea. I want to tell you next why I'm so impressed with the Rays. It, it, it really is. When you see it close hand, especially from when you're there early and you get to see stuff normally you don't get to see, I'm going to tell you why these Rays are so good. And we'll give you a health update on Big Poppy. That's all coming up next on A's Cast Live. Free parking, free drinks, and maybe even your favorite A's players flying into your lap. The Field Box is a great way to entertain clients or enjoy a game with your family and friends. Located next to each dugout, now is your time to get in on the action right from the field. To learn more about the Field Box and other premium seating options, visit athletics.com slash premium or call us at 510-638-GO-A's. That's 510-638-4627. 510-638-4627. Want to give back to the community along with some of your favorite A's players and front office staff? Through the A's volunteer team, fans can join us in giving back to Oakland and the East Bay. Through your time and energy, fans can earn rewards based on the number of hours spent volunteering. To get started, visit athletics.com community. That's athletics.com community. From sweet plans to single game suites, there's nothing like premium hospitality and athletics baseball. New for the 2019 season, food and beverages are now included in all suites plus options to create a three-game suite plan. Plus, select plans also include an A's Access membership, allowing you to attend every regular season home game. To learn more about A's Suites, visit athletics.com suites. That's athletics.com suites. 
If you love chicken pies and a dynamic menu, then you're going to love the chicken pie shop of Walnut Creek. You have to try their world-famous chicken pie dinner, which has been served in Southern California for 80 years. That's a chicken pie shop right off Main Street in downtown Walnut Creek, located at 1251 Arroyo Way. Parking's easy, perfect for events, daily drink and food specials, and best of all, great food. Check out their menu at chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com, right off Main Street, Walnut Creek. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Speaking of the Rays, Tommy Fan had something very interesting to say. And I think everybody would agree with him. And also is something I think a lot of A's fans are going to go right on. I'll have that for you a little bit later. So there was something that I noticed while I was at Tropicana Field. And, you know, when you get there early, you get the and you're on the road. So the home team can utilize the field any way they want. It's their field. So they can do what they want to do before batting practice. And then the, uh, the the opposition, the visiting team, well, then they have their slotted time for batting practice. But before the batting practices, the field, the field is the home teams. Now, I'm sure that if, let's say, like Scott Emerson or, or – or, or whoever wants to go down and work on the bullpen, work in a bullpen or something, of course you could do that as the opposing team. But the the home team's going to dominate the field before the start of batting practice for both teams, and the home team takes batting practice first. Each day, I could not believe for a big league team how hard the Rays work. To a point, and I don't remember who I said this to, it might have been Fossey. I can't remember who it was. But I said, you know what they remind me of? They remind me of a Japanese team. Japanese teams, oh, my man. The time they put into their craft is very impressive. And if you can go back on my Facebook page, and if we're Facebook friends, and I think I put it on Twitter, I took video of everything that they were doing during batting practice, the Japanese teams. They've got two batting cages going. They've got balls flying around and guys catching balls everywhere. Then they got guys behind the cages hitting into the net, you know, the net that saves you from getting hit by the baseball. They have constantly have guys taking soft toss. I mean, just everywhere you look, like every inch of the field, Japanese teams utilize practice and to get better. And that's what I saw with the Rays. The Rays were taking infield with their their infielders every single day. It's like a lost art form in baseball that at every level – that I that I that I was a part of, high school to college. You took infield before the game. 
And years ago, and the reason why everybody did that, because years ago, that's what the big leaguers did. I remember being a kid. You would remember being a kid, going to an A's game. You can go to any stadium, and they would take infield. Where they'd hit balls out to the outfielders, and the outfielders you'd throw to second, then you'd throw to third, then you'd throw to home. And then the outfielders would be done. And then the infielders, they'd come in, and their first one, they'd all play in, and each one would get a ground ball, you know, throw home, and then you throw to first, and you turn double plays. I mean, everybody took infield. It was a lot of fun to watch because now you're watching the best infielders and the best outfielders in the world throw it around. It was a lot of fun. They don't do it anymore. Well, you know who does it? The Rays. The Rays work hard. I actually made a joke, and I felt bad because the big thing for our guys now, and a lot of it's the pitchers, is they bring out a soccer ball, and they have a hacky sack. And remember, you know, a hacky sack? Everybody know? Millennials know what hacky sacks are? Okay. Uh, hacky sacks, and I love you millennials. You know that. I'm like a millennial. I'm not the age of a millennial, but I'm like a millennial. I would have been a perfect millennial. I would have fit in right with you guys for so many reasons. And then now we got people working with it. Now it's even crazy. Now we got people like Joey. He's not even a millennial. He's younger than a millennial. So we're, we have now people working for us who are not even millennials anymore. So I was just laughing going, our guys are playing with a soccer ball and a hacky sack, and these guys are training like a Japanese team. Now the A's took two out of three, let's be fair. And by the way, if you want to contact us, 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. Do not call. Text. I can read your text on the program. That's 510-897-1322. Like the question here from the 408. When or why do you think field practice stopped at the big league level? You know what? I'm going to have the perfect answer for you tomorrow, 408. Matt Williams is going to join us tomorrow on the field before the game. Matt Williams played at a time when they did take infield. And Matt Williams was a phenomenal player. He's a World Series champion. I think he was a four-time All-Star. Check that, Commander Cody. I think it's four. He was, he was the premier third baseman of his time. Five. Excuse me. I shortchanged him. Five-time All-Star. He had a chance to break Roger Maris's record back in 1994. He was on pace to pass Roger Maris. Tony Gwynn was getting hot, hitting 394, and both those guys never got their chance. As Tony would have been trying to be the first guy ever to get to, to 400 since Ted Williams. And then, God, Matt Williams could have broke 61. It would have been incredible. But all out 408, I'm going to ask Matt tomorrow. I'm going to ask him what happened, why don't we do it, why should we do it. I think you should do it. Not saying So what happens is, is in batting practice, that's when guys get a lot of their work in. As they're constantly being hit ground balls. And that's where they're getting their fly ball work in. But it's not the same because you got you still have chaos going around you. you. It's still more about batting practice. 
I like it when there's no cages, there's nothing. There's no L screen in front of the mound. There's nothing. And you're out on a field, and you're working hard, and you're working on ground balls. You're working on all the different plays. You're working on backhands, glove hand coming in. You're working on throws to second for double plays. You're working on everything. Now, the A's have been fantastic on defense, so I'm not worried about their defense. And they just did take two out of three. But I'm just saying, you want to know how the Rays are able to play with the global powers that are the Red Sox and the New York Yankees? And they have the lowest payroll in baseball. Did you hear me? They have the lowest payroll in baseball. And right now, the Yankees are 41 and 25. The Rays are 41 and 26. They're just a half game back. Red Sox are still scuffling at 35 and 34. Look how bad, though, two of the teams are in their division. The Jays are 24 and 43, and the Orioles are 21 and 46. My God, what do you, what do you, what do you do if you're the what do you do when you're the Orioles post 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 game show guy? What's the poor guy in Baltimore saying at 24 and 46? I might have had a heart attack by now if the team was 21 and 46. If I was doing a post game show for the A's and they were that bad, they're already. What is the date today? June 13th, I think it is. We got to have our retirement stuff in today, by the way, Commander Cody. Do you know that? You have that stuff ready? Have you done yours? I haven't, no. You got to do it tonight. Okay, I'll do it when I get home. As a millennial, I don't think about retirement. <laughs> still too young. You got to get it in. It's your money. 21 and 46. There's just some really, really, really bad teams in baseball. And you know what you need to do with really bad teams in baseball? You need to crush those teams. Like, we think the Mariners are bad. Like, oh, the Mariners, they've been terrible after that hot They're still 29 and 42. Kansas City is 21 and 46. There is good news on Big Poppy. And he had another surgery. But the thing about Big Poppy is he's, he's walking around a little bit. He took some steps. He's able to sit up. We still don't have all the details. We do know it was a contracted hit on his life down in the Dominican Republic. His, the statement from Tiffany Ortiz, David continues to recuperate today in the intensive care unit at Mass General Hospital under the direction and treatment of the surgeon, Dr. David King. Yesterday and this morning, David was able to sit up as well as take some steps. His condition is guarded, and he will remain in ICU for the coming days. But he is making good progress towards recovery. My family and I, again, want to thank everyone for their endless love and well wishes and still ask for privacy while David continues to heal. Meanwhile, authorities in the Dominican Republic said they have made a second arrest in the shooting. They have not released the name of the subject, but it's reported that the man is thought to be the alleged shooter. The man arrested on Sunday night was the man driving the motorcycle off which the shooter jumped prior to the incident. 
Netflix has this show. I can't remember the name of it. I watch it with Vince on the plane. It's about the real Narcos. We all watch Narcos. If he didn't watch Narcos, it was fabulous on Netflix. This is the real Narcos. And they talk to drug dealers, and they talk to contracted killers for the cartels. And that's what these guys, that a lot of them, they ride around on these motorcycles, and it's quick hits, boom, boom, boom. So that's what happened to Big Poppy. Very sad. Up next, we'll talk to Susan Slusser right here on A's Cast Live. Want to add to your collection of A's memorabilia but can't make it to the Coliseum? During every weekend home series, the Oakland A's Community Fund will hold a digital silent auction through the MLB Ballpark app. You can bid on rare memorabilia items, including baseballs, jerseys, bats, game-used equipment, and autographed items. Proceeds from the silent auction benefit the Oakland A's Community Fund and its initiatives in the community. Download the app at athletics.com slash ballpark app. Playing in Hero Town? It's only fitting to get your group together to reserve the Budweiser Hero Deck. Located next to the right field foul pole, this awesome new space can hold around 100 people and a bunch of home run balls. With an all-inclusive buffet, now is the time to be the hero of your friends and colleagues by grabbing tickets and a cold one for a great day at the ballpark. For more information about the Budweiser Hero Deck, visit athletics.com slash premium today. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Now is the time to secure your own terrace table with seating for two or four people to eat, drink, and cheer the A's right from these amazing new half-moon tables. With awesome in-seat ordering and exclusive discounts, this might be the best seat in the house. So grab your friends, family, or co-workers and come out early for a great day at the ballpark. To learn more about the Terrace and some of the other exciting new ballpark locations, visit athletics.com slash premium today. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program, presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com future for more information. Looking to understand what makes the A's tick? With weekly shows with manager Bob Melvin and general manager David Forst, now you get the inside scoop into the green and gold. Download A's Cast today or head to athletics.com slash podcast to get started. It's time to grab your reserved space in the popular Connie Mack Club. The club space gives your group a private area located in Shy Park Tavern for the entire ball game. The Connie Mack Club features access to outdoor seating and includes a pre-game buffet filled with our highest-end food package. This area of the ballpark is perfect for 30 to 50 guests to kick back, relax, and enjoy the game. For more information about the Connie Mack Club and other group offers, visit athletics.com slash groups. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. Susan Slusser is going to join us in moments. We have a four-way tie now down at Pebble Beach. Xander Shoffley, Louis Oosthuizen, Aaron Wise, 
and the big crowd favorite, Ricky Fowler. I saw Ricky today. He had a big following behind him. Tiger Woods, everybody wants to know about Tiger trying to chase down Jack Nicklaus. He is actually still on the course right now, and he is at minus one. Phil Mickelson finished at plus one. Some notable names just to keep you updated. Rory McIlroy. He's tied with a bunch of guys at minus three. Got Warriors tonight. We got all kinds of sports going. Game six, the last game at Oracle. And boy, everything is going to start becoming real, real, real fast, as Jim Harbaugh once said. You know, it's until it happens. You just you have a hard time seeing it, even though you know it's going to happen. And I think that's been something that's helped Dave Cavill, as we'll hear from Dave coming up here at 5 o'clock. Warriors are leaving. You know it, but tonight's the last game they will play in Oakland. And even though we say they're the Bay Area's team, they're taking their business. They're taking everything. They're taking their tax dollars. They're, they're taking everything to San Francisco. So you can say they're the Bay Area's team. Well, I can tell you they will no longer be Oakland's team. They'll no longer be the East Bay's team. Now, everybody in the East Bay, you'll still love them, and I'm not telling you not to. I still will. It's just they're taking their business dollars, and they're moving it across the bay. And tonight is the very last game. And what I think is the last year of Raider football in Oakland, the Raiders are going to Vegas. There's only going to be one team playing in Alameda County. That's it. And you know that's happening, but until you see it, I'm not sure it's going to uh, – I'm not sure it's set in totally yet. You don't see this too often in the history of sports where a town and a county – because Oakland, the town, and Alameda County, they've shared it for all these years. Not too many times have you seen a city and a county – lose a major league franchise, let alone lose two at the same time. That is very, very rare. And that's why everybody needs to get behind Dave Cavill. And when Dave says, I need your support here, or I need your support this place or that place, I need you to get on on this website and be a part of this petition or this document. Everybody needs to be on board. Because you're losing two. You want to make sure you have at least one healthy for a long, long time. That's my two cents in it. Do we have Susan? She's our A's insider from the San Francisco Chronicle. Susan Slusser joins us. Susan, the road trip from hell is over, and we're back home. Thank goodness. It was nice to have you be a part of it, though, Tony. I almost felt like it was my fault. 
I, you know, it might have been. I, you know, I don't, I don't remember any other trips where the plane had the the wing damaged by stairs. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was. So the A's win on that Sunday, and all of a sudden we get a text: the plane's been damaged. Another plane has to come. It's going to be a while. And no, this is not a joke. That's the text we got. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, we all went over to uh, Texas Live, had more barbecue. Drank some beers, watched uh, the Stanley Cup final, and uh, four and a half hours later, we were on our way to Tampa. Yeah, there's worse ways to spend some time. Yeah, it worked out. It worked out. You know, I was just saying, and you've been around this for a long time, you know, I don't think it's completely set in that tonight is the last night that they will ever play the Warriors at Oracle. And before you know it, We'll be talking about the last football game ever at the Coliseum and that a city and a county that have always shared this facility and these teams, they're losing two professional sports teams basically back-to-back. And the only team that's going to be in Oakland and still be playing in Alameda County is the Oakland A's. I'm not sure that is completely set in with everybody. Yeah, I'm with you. It it doesn't seem real. It really doesn't. At least the Warriors are just going across the bay. I know it's not ideal for East Bay folks, longtime Warriors fans. And, you know, all the people that were there through all the down years, you know, people that have had season tickets and, and suffered through a lot of last play seasons and have, have gotten the chance to really enjoy the resurrection of the franchise. Some of those people are going to be priced out or just are flat not going to want to go over the other side. The Raiders, what can you say? I mean, I think the A's certainly are going to be, you know, I don't think the A's had any wish to see the Warriors leave. But when the Raiders leave, at least the A's can do what they want with that building. They can reconfigure some things. They can make use of more storage space, uh, which is severely lacking, as you know, Townie there. Um, you know, and, and uh, it really focus uh, Oakland's attention on keeping them and making sure that they have a world-class facility somewhere. Yes, I spoke with Dave Cavill earlier today for the podcast on A's Cast that we called The Build, and we're going to play it coming up here at the top of the hour. And Dave got more votes. He got a more a, another unanimous vote. It's just I, I'm calling him like a pro bowler. He just keeps getting up there and keeps knocking down the pins. And the A's are getting closer than they've ever been, Susan, to getting a new ballpark. Got a long way to go, but they're getting a lot closer. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're doing all the right things. Uh, and I think the things are starting to line up. There are a lot of obstacles. We talked about this a lot, Townie. They did not choose the easiest spot to for as their preferred site. Um, you know, there are a lot of question marks there, but so far so good, and that's at the very least encouraging. And as you know, you know they're they're continuing this dual track thing where they're also working to purchase the Coliseum's land and all that acreage. Uh, and so far. They're taking all the right steps to do that. Uh, you know, they plan to develop that without a ballpark with residential and retail and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but, you know, it's it potentially they say there's no plan B, but that seems like a pretty decent plan B. Should they need one in the in the event, which we do not certainly don't hope. But if the event they need one, they'll, they'll have a really nice piece of property where obviously ballparks can work. Yeah, the two-property thing, as Dave Cavill likes to say, it's kind of his thing. It's what he did in San Jose with the earthquakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? It's uh, It certainly makes sense. Develop one, fund the other one. That's Especially in the Bay Area, 
why not? That's that's great. More land, the better, right? If you're a developer, no, no, no doubt about it. And it just, uh, you know, and we'll we'll end this part of that uh, segment uh, talking about the properties in the new stadium. It's just for the first time, I think a lot of people who are around the A's, whether people work for the A's who've been here for a long time, or people like yourself, I think we're all really starting to believe. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, this is, I think, certainly it's been more positive developments in this last, not even calendar year, in this, you know, maybe the last eight, nine months than there have been, you know, the entire time I've covered the the A's, uh, even going back to when I was a backup in Sacramento. So that's, you know, 30-some years. This is, it's pretty monumental what's been getting done. Long way to go, long way to go. You know, don't, uh, you know, I, I don't want people to start, putting down 2023 in their calendars and ink, I, I would say, to temper that a little bit. But certainly, um, you know, Dave Cavill is a man on a mission, and he's somebody I would, you know, I would I would bet on if I were a betting person. Susan Slesser from the San Francisco Chronicle joins us here on A's Cast Live, which you can hear on A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. So I, I made this comparison. I want to see what you think about it because getting to the ballpark early, boy, was I impressed with how hard the Rays work. I mean, they're yeah. working on infield. They're doing so much before batting practice, during batting practice. To me, they work like they're a Japanese team, and that was the best work ethic I have ever seen, those Japanese teams. What do you think about the work ethic of the Rays, and can you compare them the way they work like the Japanese teams we've seen at the Tokyo Dome? Yeah, I think that's a really good comparison. Now, we don't see them enough for me to know if, you know, there are some days they do much more uh, than other days. But, yeah, I was very impressed. And you know what? You look at that team, you look at the lineup, and it's not necessarily the most imposing lineup, uh, but it's effective. Uh, the way Kevin Cash uses everybody, uses his personnel, he's creative, uh, you know, he's mixing and matching. We know that the, the Rays kind of do things a little bit like the A's do, and they like to think outside the box. They do that as well as anybody in baseball. Of course, that rotation, that's right. Where, I mean, the rotation is spectacular and the A's go in there and do a very nice job of taking two or three out of from a red hot team that is very very good yeah and 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 we don't want to make excuses because this league is about two things winning and losing and I talked with Bob Melvin about this on the Bob Melvin show you know we're not going to make excuses for the team but they face a lot of adversity on this trip the travel was bad, late nights, early mornings, not a whole lot of sleep. So at the end of the trip, to take two out of three, that was pretty big for this ball club. Yeah, it goes six and four on the trip. And, you know, two of the games, two of the losses were, you know, ones that really could have gone either way. Uh, so, uh, and probably could have, uh, or even should have gone the other way. So, uh, yeah, very nice. It kind of reminded me, do you remember, Tony, at the beginning of 2014, you've had a brutal schedule. It was the first half with all three city trips. Every trip had an East Coast portion. People went like, oh, how are they going to get through this? Coming off of two playoff appearances, the schedule is going to kill them. That's the year that first half they were spectacular. They went with, you know, seven all-stars and setting all sorts of, you know, records for run differential. And, you know, we know what happened after that. A little bit of a, you know, <laughs> the schedule got easier. But, you know, uh I think that this this year's team, the fact that they do respond to a little adversity like that, that's a really good sign, you know, because this is not, uh, it's not really going to necessarily get easier from here for them. 
All right, let, I've been waiting to ask you this, and I want to ask David Force this because he's been around. Why is it that the A's take out 2014, all these other years, where you go back into the early 2000s, you go back to 2012, you go back to last year, the, 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 the players change, the manager changes, the coaches change, but yet this is a franchise that in the really good years, so many years, they get off the bad starts, then all of a sudden they get hot in June and away they go. Why is that? Why does that happen for, for basically like the last 20 years? Yeah, I mean, it has almost every single good team and, and pretty much all the bad teams have gotten off to very slow starts. And you, know, you can point to a few things. They're, typically, they're young players. Typically, they're, you know, they're bringing in new guys. Um, maybe it's taken a while for people to, to mesh. You know, I remember the years Kotze, Frank Thomas, guys like that came in. They both got off to really slow starts. Piscotti got off to a slow start last year. Chris Davis is traditionally a slow starter. They have guys for whatever reason, who are themselves traditionally slow starters. And that, you know, when you're talking about guys of that caliber, that can certainly affect your scoring. Uh, the ballpark, you know, sometimes it's colder in April. Now, uh, yes, it goes both ways, but it's harder to hit the ball out of the park when it's cold. We all know that. So, you know, more night games typically before school's off. So, uh, you know, those are the, some of the things that I've heard over the years. I couldn't tell you. I mean, who knows? I don't know if anybody would that might take a real real big study. But, uh, hey, maybe they've got their analytics people on that, and I could tell you. But if so, you would have think maybe they would have avoided it this year. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's what we were hoping. But, of course, that's not who this team is. And if you look at through 69 games, last year they were 34 and 35. This year they're 35 and 34. We have been harping on this about the juice ball. And it started in spring training going, these record home run numbers, something's up. And now everybody's really getting involved. So Ken Rosenthal with a big article today in The Athletic. David Schoenfield of ESPN.com is now doing an article about it. Something is up with the ball. I asked Bob Melvin in Tampa about it during the Bob Melvin show. What do you think about the baseball, and what do you think Major League Baseball has to do? Well, you know, I'm just listening to what people are saying. I certainly think that there are, uh, you know, a number of uh, longtime players, ex-players who are looking at what's going on and saying there is something afoot. Um, baseball does lots of testing. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago they did some tests and they went like, oh, yeah, you know, it, it is actually traveling a little further. Um, it, if that's the case again this year, you know, hopefully they will have some testing and they will you know, be transparent with what the tests are showing them. Uh, there are other things potentially that are going on too. I mean, we know some of the things that happened when Homer rates rose in the eighties and nineties. Um, not saying necessarily that that's the case, but sometimes, you know, there are things like that going on and also, you know, pitchers throwing so hard, you know, some guys connect with a guy with fastball traveling hundred miles an hour, 97, 98 miles an hour. That's, you know, we see the exit velocities. My gosh, those balls are going to go out of the park. So, uh, again, this is one where I'm not 100% sure where you could say there's one exact cause or maybe it's just a little bit of a bunch of things kind of adding up to it. But I would like to see some test results. Okay, so we're on pace for 6,566 home runs. That's going to be nearly 1,000 <laughs> more than last year. And get this, entering Wednesday's game, 25 players had already hit 17 home runs, putting putting them on a 40-plus home run pace. The single-season record 
for players with 40 home runs or more was 17 in 1996. We've got 25 guys. I mean, it's just every number you see, it's record-breaking. And it, that's just – is it good for the game? Well, you know, those uh, those big home run numbers in the 90s were kind of credited with bringing the game back after the strike. So people like home runs. Uh, you know, every everybody but pitchers really likes home runs. So uh, yeah, it's tough to say. Teams are going to have to figure out a way to, to combat it, so that could be interesting. Um, you know, there's this whole the shifts. Guys are just trying to hit over the shifts, so they're trying to, you know, they, you're basically selling out home run or nothing because of the shifts. Some of that's going on. Things eventually kind of come back around. I don't know if this is going to be good for the game, bad for the game, but I think fans in general love to see lots of home runs. You, the, the Oakland A's are a team that makes very good use of home runs. I mean, their record in games in which they homer is, um, you know, significantly better than uh, when they do not. And, of course, they've got a lot of guys up and down the lineup who can. So this is a big, big weapon for the Oakland A's. Yeah, if they don't homer, they usually don't win. So when they do homer, I think we're all happy because they got a shot at winning the game. So we know that when the A's are in it, David and Billy will make moves. And right now they are in it. And with the trading deadline being different this year, July 31st, we're talking about a hard date. Do What do you think will be happening with the A's earlier than normal, and where do you think they need to improve? Well, personally, I wouldn't mind seeing them pick up, uh, you know, a reliable veteran starter, even though, they're, you know what, they're getting very good results out of the rotation right now. Fifth starters, you know, a little bit up in the air, but they do have guys coming back from injuries. Uh, what they did last year, I think, is more likely to be what they do this year if they make any moves at all, um, is improving the bullpen, which this year they really need. Um, last year, you know, they were augmenting what was already a spectacularly good bullpen. Uh, this year, I, I, I think that they could, you know, I, I'm not quite sure how much flexibility they have in the bullpen. And they also might be looking at it and going like, look, we're going to have A.J. Puck in the bullpen. I mean, they, they know that. Uh, Jarrell Cotton, when he's ready, he'll be in the bullpen. Uh, that's two spots right there. And, you know, you've got Lazardo and Manaya coming for the rotation. So it's entirely possible that they might not do much at all. Uh, they've got the ability within their organization, assuming all these guys come back fully healthy, to address some of their own needs. Uh, and if they do, you know, decide they need something like, you know, a change at catcher, they got Sean Murphy, who's going to be pretty healthy here soon. Um, if they wanted a speed guy, they've got Jorge Mateo. I mean, they they really do have um, some specific answers to specific questions internally, assuming, again, full health for these guys. When is the last time a Stockton Ports game meant so much as we saw last <laughs> Tuesday? Yeah, that was fun. Um, uh, I, when you look at the numbers and Puck's throwing 98, 99, and Lazardus throwing 97, that's, that's pretty great now. We know, County, we've covered so many guys coming back from injuries. It is seldom easy. There are always, you know, little things that crop up here and there. We just saw it with Terrell Cotton uh, and the hamstring injury he, he incurred um, and, and required surgery for. He, he is expected to pitch again this year, um, but it could be a while. So uh, it, chances are maybe one of these guys out of the, the guys that are still to come back might have a little bit of a setback at some point. But so far, man. Uh, encouraging to more than encouraging. Very few people in the history of this game ever had good numbers against Randy Johnson, the big unit. One of those human beings 
is actually Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin did well against Randy Johnson. He was also a part of the staff with Randy Johnson that won the World Series in 2001 when they took down the New York Yankees. So when Bob Melvin actually compares A.J. Puck to Randy Johnson, it really makes you go, wow, I, 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 I got I, I to believe him. Absolutely. One of the other guys who hit Randy Johnson great, Randy Velarde, weirdly. So, yeah. Um, yes, but uh, absolutely. I mean, AJ, he's got absolutely dominating stuff when he's on. Um, if he's in the strike zone, he's healthy. He is an absolute beast. I would, you know, it makes sense for them to put him and Cotton when he's ready in the bullpen because of the innings limitations coming back from Tommy John surgery. But I also just love the idea of a big left-hander coming out of the bullpen and throwing gas and with, uh, you know, sensational stuff. That could be really fun to see. Kind of like what David Price did for the Rays in their World Absolutely. Series run. Absolutely. Very similar. Uh, and maybe with even better stuff. All right, let's end on this. I want to make you and the great Ken Korak money. I know you have a big book signing coming up. Where can we find it? East Bay Booksellers in Berkeley on Saturday, 1130 to 1. So if you're coming out to the evening game at the Coliseum, you know, maybe come to the book signing first and get a bite to eat and then head over to the ballpark. I think that works out perfectly. Yeah, we got, we have fireworks on Saturday, right? No. Yeah, yeah. That's Fire- a, I mean, that's, that's that seems like a pretty nice full day in the East Bay. I guess fireworks is tomorrow night. What's the spe- Look at the special event for tomorrow. I know there's a special event on Saturday. So once again, we can find you in Berkeley where? East Bay Booksellers in Berkeley, 1130 to 1 on Saturday. Have a fun time. Sell some books, and we'll see you tomorrow. Fantastic. Thanks, Tony. The great Susan Slusser from the San Francisco Chronicle. Yep, go check her and Ken out. It's a fabulous book. Support the A's family. They're a part of our family. You need to support them. There's a funny story about 2001. I don't know if I've ever gotten Bob to tell it. But Randy Johnson, like, you just could not – couldn't talk to him on game day. Like, he was, he was one of those – there's certain guys on days they're pitching, you can talk to them, they don't care. There's other guys who where they're just they – they're out of their mind. You can't even – you don't even want to say hello to them. And Randy Johnson was one of those guys. And Randy Johnson looked up. I don't know if it was – I don't even know. They, they wouldn't have had – how long has the MLB Network been around? It's only been around for, what, 10 years? So he had to look up, like, on ESPN or something. And it was the day he was pitching. He's in the, he's in the clubhouse. And Randy Johnson looks up, and he sees the guys with the best career numbers against him. And he sees Bob Melvin's name. And I guess Randy Johnson immediately got up, went into the coaches' rooms, and we got to get what exactly was said because I kept you in the big leagues all these years because Bob hit Randy Johnson so well. It's a great story because Bob, Bob would always deliver the numbers to Randy Johnson on game day. So we're going to have to get that story from Bob Melvin. It is a classic story. But, yes, and I can't wait to talk to A.J. Puck. If you don't know, A.J. Puck comes from a long line of football players. A.J. Puck was a quarterback. He was a football player. He had to make the decision, what am I better at? And he wanted to play baseball, so he went to the University of Florida. 
probably made the right choice. But A.J. Pucks, I know his, his, one of his uncles played football at Stanford. His dad played football, and another uncle played football in the Big Ten. The Pucks are like this classic Commander Cody look. I think they're from Iowa. But they're a big football family, and he's the one guy that bucked the trend. They're from Iowa? Yeah, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. The Pucks are like this legendary football family because one of my best friends, she went to Stanford and was a cheerleader when his uncle was there playing football. So they're known as tough guys. So you're getting a football mentality on the mound, and you love you love to see that. And he's throwing 97-98. 97-98? How about A.J. Puck as an opener? When Lazardo gets here, Lazardo, you got to have starting. Lazardo's ready to start. Once he once once he passes all the tests, Lazardo's ready to go. In my opinion, I think it's just about everybody's opinion. What we saw in spring training, he's ready to get big league hitters out on a consistent basis. He's he he has an electric arm. Now Puck, you know, obviously if he comes up, he's never been in the big leagues. Now Lazardo hasn't been in the big leagues, but I gotta think when you've when you've been start when you've been pitching at spring training, and there was a chance that he was going to make the rotation that it's not going to be like oh I'm in the big leagues I'm starting. I think the kid's ready to go. He's ready he he's ready to compete at this level. To where Puck will be a weapon where you bring him in out of the bullpen and it's like here, take this baseball and just go strike out guys for an inning or two innings. Not the pressure of every 5 days. This is your day. You ease him in the bullpen and just hey, come in and blow cheese. Now, always guard against. Cannot rely on guys that are coming back from injury. You never know. Jarrell Cotton's a great example. We said, oh, wait for Cotton, wait for Cotton, wait for Cotton. Well, Cotton, we're not going to see him in the big league. He'll, he'll probably pitch at some point again, but we're not going to see him in the big leagues. You just never know till a guy gets here and he's healthy. Coming up next... You're going to hear from the president of your Oakland Athletics, Dave Cavill, right here on A's Cast Live. Looking to understand what makes the A's tick? With weekly shows with manager Bob Melvin and general manager David Forst, now you get the inside scoop into the green and gold. Download A's Cast today or head to athletics.com slash podcast to get started. Looking to take A's Cast on the road with you on your next jog or road trip? Head over to athletics.com slash podcasts and you can download episodes of Taking Effect, Green and Gold History, A Season on the Road, and more. Visit athletics.com slash podcasts today. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program. Presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com slash future for more information. Who doesn't love a good happy hour? The Cornerstone gives your group a unique happy hour experience. 
The area treats up to 40 to 50 guests with a package that includes food and beverage, along with an intimate pregame experience. Plus, the experience comes with an awesome seating option that we can build to fit your needs. To learn more about the Cornerstone and other unique group experiences, visit athletics.com slash groups. Athletics.com slash groups. Playing in Hero Town? It's only fitting to get your group together to reserve the Budweiser Hero Deck. Located next to the right field foul pole, this awesome new space can hold around 100 people and a bunch of home run balls. With an all-inclusive buffet, now is the time to be the hero of your friends and colleagues by grabbing tickets and a cold one for a great day at the ballpark. For more information about the Budweiser Hero Deck, visit athletics.com slash premium today. It's time to grab your reserved space in the popular Connie Mack Club. The club space gives your group a private area located in Shive Park Tavern for the entire ball game. The Connie Mack Club features access to outdoor seating and includes a pre-game buffet filled with our highest-end food package. This area of the ballpark is perfect for 30 to 50 guests to kick back, relax, and enjoy the game. For more information about the Connie Mack Club and other group offers, visit athletics.com groups. Hey kids, have you ever wanted to run the bases like your favorite A's player? Well, here's your chance. Children ages 14 and under can come onto the field following most Sunday home games and race around the bases with A's mascot Stopper there to cheer them on. Make sure to pack your running shoes so you can show off your speed. Race Around the Bases is brought to you by the Oakland A's Community Fund. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Goal for Yelich! Tony Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. That's right, A's Cast Live. God, we got so much going on in Northern California right now. We got Game 6, Warriors and Raptors. We got the U.S. Open down at Pebble Beach. A four-way tie at minus five. Ricky Fowler, Xander Shoffley, Louis Oosthuizen. Aaron Wise, Tiger Woods on the course right now is at minus one. Brooks Kepka and Rory McIlroy are in a group of all minus three. Kepka looking to win the U.S. Open for the third straight year. That has not been done since 03, 04, and 05. That's 1903, 1904, and 1905. That's what this accomplishment will mean for Bruce Kepka who uh, he is actually still out on the course. He's at just number 11. Okay, I've said if you text me at 510-897-1322, I will respond. So, one of the texts from 559 has a legit question about Aaron Brooks. You know, you really don't see Aaron Brooks pitch that much, and it's really only going to be in, like, worst-case scenario. So the question of what's his value versus adding another pitcher that, 
Bob Melvin would pitch or adding somebody like Martini, Mateo, Bolt, Franklin Barreto to strengthen your bench? It is a fair question. And then also, they like the idea, 559, of I threw out there Puck being an opener. Opener works, folks. I, I Just Tampa's numbers, if you use it right, you know, could he give you, could he be one of those openers that goes like two innings? And then that really changes the dynamic. And doesn't want the up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, which I, I totally agree. That's not the way he's going to work. And then another from the five one, from the five one zero. Compared him to Josh Hader of the Brewers. I don't see him being in that role. You know what? Doesn't matter what I think. I'll ask David Force tomorrow. Five one zero. He's a starter. That's why I brought up the opener. I guess Commander Cody told me during the break that they talked about it yesterday. Yeah, I mean, he's a starter. This is what he's used to doing. So if you had him go out there for one or two, I mean, that's right up his alley. Do I want to get him hot in the fifth, and then the starter gets out of it, and then he sits down, then i got to get him up again in the sixth? I mean, you like that. I, I, I just have a feeling when he comes up, he's a precious commodity that you're going to try and make it a routine-oriented deal. Like, you're not going to say, hey, big boy, you're coming in with runners on second and first. Nobody out. I just, maybe they will. I don't know. But that's why we'll ask David. That's why we have the GM show. We'll ask David Forrest tomorrow that. If Puck comes up, what would be his role? How do you envision his role? I totally envision him as an opener. Now, David Price didn't do that for the Rays on their World Series run because David Price, they didn't have the, they weren't using the opener back then. They would bring him in and he'd come in and he was fabulous. But David Price wasn't coming off Tommy John surgery either. We will have to get, we at some point got to get into what the Padres are doing with Paddock which just makes no sense to me. Chris Paddock is going to get sent down to single-A Lake Elsinore, a guy that was in the conversation for Rookie of the Year. You've heard me talk about it. This is the only sport where teams will not put their best 25 out, out to win. Can you imagine, like, football? Hey, Peyton Manning, yeah, we're not going to play him. We're going to send uh, Peyton Manning on to, like, Omaha to our AAA football team so we so we can't accrue so much time for free agency. And, uh, yeah, we're not going to play. Barry Sanders, we're only going to run Barry Sanders for seven games. Then after that, we're shutting him down. Michael Jordan, no way. This kid out of North Carolina can't play 81 games. We're only going to play him for 35. Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. Yeah, we're not going to play them. Yeah, they're not even going to make the club the first year after we draft. It's absurd. Wayne Gretzky's not playing because we're worried about his contract long term. <laughs> Mario Lemieux. I mean, what sport you want me to go to where the best players are going to be held back? Oh, we're worried about workload. 
what now we can't now now guys we can't have guys work through issues this is the problem we're not even allowing people to okay he's getting roughed up a little bit we'll let him work through it learn how to pitch learn how to get better stop babying these guys i will get into that later but more importantly it's time for the build with the president of your oakland athletics here is my conversation earlier in the day with Dave Cavill. You know, one of my favorite things here about A's Cast is one of our podcasts that we have. It's called The Build. And The Build is where we bring in the president, Dave Cavill, to update us what's going on as every two weeks we get to get the insight, a look into what Dave Cavill's doing to get this new ballpark built. He's just leaving Sacramento because he's had more uh, meetings. Dave, how are we today? We're doing well. We had another great set of meetings in Sacramento on track to get our two pieces of legislation through this session and uh, just building momentum every day. You know, before we get into that, I, I think we got to give kudos to your to your traveling secretary, Mickey Morabito. As as you know, this was the road trip from hell, and there was a lot of issues. And he got us back home. He got us back home safe and on time. What a job he did! And by the way, everybody on the traveling party thanks you also for taking care of us. Well, I got to tell you, Mickey's the best in the business, and we needed him because it was planes, trains, and automobiles to get you guys around, especially after the wing was damaged on the plane and the thunderstorms, and it was just crazy, and you never know how to manage through those processes. You need the experience of someone like Mickey, and uh, and he came through for all of us. Yeah, the contacts that he, he has, and he scoured everywhere looking for planes is once our plane was injured while we were in texas we had to take another plane from texas to florida and then had to take a third plane from florida all the way back home so uh great job by mickey morabito it was also his birthday during the trip and i thought it was just a i saw great... the cake yes you must say you probably Cake. The cake was incredible. It was an airplane on it with the damaged wing. Great. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, it, and it just goes to show what a class act your skipper is, Bob Melvin. He's as good as it gets. I agree with you. So let's get into what's been happening while we have been gone. Assembly Bill 1191 and the Senate Bill 293. Well, both bills are, you know, moving right through the legislature. You know, they're in kind of the opposite chamber they started in. And we had a wonderful and really lively discussion at the Oakland City Council meeting where they took a unanimous vote yesterday supporting both pieces of legislation. And so that was a great litmus test and and show of support of the Oakland City Council, who is going to be a really important player as we finalize this agreement. And so I was really pleased and um, happy that they voted unanimously to support the legislation. You've been getting a lot of this uh, unanimous votes, uh, a lot of unanimous. What does that mean to you that everybody around you is really starting to understand and trust your vision? Well, I think it shows all the hard work that's gone in with the community engagement of the last two years and the Rooted in Oakland and the relationships we built and what we've done in the community and with all the key stakeholders and, and that we've been listening and and crafting these solutions in ways that people can support. And in this day and age, in the politics of our era, unanimous votes are pretty rare. And to have one after another, I think, shows the momentum 
and success that we're having with the project. Do you think it helps that you've been getting so many positive votes that are now helping people even get behind you even more because they know they know this freight train is coming? You know, it's building momentum. There's no doubt about it. And especially as we move through the environmental impact report and into the final city council approval early next year, we're going to need it because this is a big decision for our community, for all the different associated and related parties. And, you know, we're going to need that momentum and support to get it finalized and so we can get those shovels in the ground. What's it like when you're up there doing business in Sacramento, in our state capital? Because of a lot of us, we'll never know what it's like to go in there and do business. Well, it's definitely hot. Like, the weather is always just gorgeous. And uh, it's funny because everyone is always in a suit, and it's very formal, and there's very much a protocol. And, you know, we have an incredible lobbyist by the name of Chris McKaylee, who we've worked with for a long time. I've worked with a long time, and he does a great job of just building the relationships and making sure we're in the right places and understanding strategically how to work with the different assembly members and senators. And so you need a great team of people in Sacramento um, to lead to our success, to build the consensus, to answer the questions, and then to formulate the legislation in a way that everyone can get behind. And, and, and I wonder, when I think about everybody in Oakland who's getting behind this, how does that influence the people in Sacramento? Well, they look to the voters at the end of the day. You know, it's, it's the people's house up there. And when they see so many of our folks in green and gold and supporting the project and what this could mean both economically to our community, but also for the quality of life and civic engagement, you know, they don't want to stand in its way and they want to do whatever they can to support it. And I think that's why we're, you know, we're getting that, that support and, and that pull, you know, it's like at the beginning we had to push more, now it's more of a pull, and that's because of all the work that's gone into it. And when I think about politicians from other parts of the state who have probably been a part of some type of sports projects, whether it's in Sacramento, like what's happened with the Kings, or it's down in Los Angeles, or wherever it may be, do, do they offer different advice to you and, and to and to Oakland and for and, and help you with this? Well, in many ways, it's Oakland's turn. You know, a lot of these other cities, whether it's the Warriors and their move to San Francisco or the Rams or, you know, the Padres, all um, got state legislation that helped them or the Kings. And, you know, they know that they were fighting for their own community. And so now with the A's in Oakland and the East Bay coming to Sacramento and saying, hey, we need the same type of consideration to make sure that the project happens as quickly as possible and in an effective way, they are, one, they're knowledgeable. And two, they're, they're, they're saying, hey, it's Oakland's turn. We want to support it. So we heard the opposition and, and, and what, how they feel this is going to negatively affect a, a project down at Howard Terminal. Are they still being heard, and who are they being heard by? Well, I think it's important that their voices are heard because we want to make sure that the project doesn't have a negative effect. And, you know, the concerns around maritime use, the maritime reservation area, ensuring the longshoremen jobs. We take all that very seriously, and we um, have a clear purpose to create a plan that wins, that's a win for the A's and the community and the maritime community. And we think we can achieve just a really amazing and um, really one-of-a-kind ballpark at the waterfront and keep a thriving port um, in Oakland, which has historically been such a great 
generator of jobs and economic activity. So it's not an either or. We can have both, and we're working together to make that happen. You know, my answer to all of that is show me where, and I've been very lucky to travel around the country. You're the same way. Show me where they built a new sports facility, whether it's a ballpark, an arena, a stadium. Show me where they built it, and it didn't bring economic value, and it failed the community. Because I've been all around. I've never seen that. Everything I've seen, Dave, everything has made the community, the city better. Vibrancy, bringing in tourism, creating jobs, economic activity, those are all things that come with these types of projects. And with baseball parks, you know, that are built in these urban areas, whether it's Baltimore or Cleveland or Petco or AT&T or Oracle now, you know, you see almost the biggest lift. And that's why we're excited about the downtown waterfront location for Oakland and what it can mean for our town. And it's just, it's, it just provides so much promise. And, and that's why we're fighting so hard for it. And that's why we're making so much uh, headway. What is next on Dave Cavill's list? Uh, well, I got another hearing, actually, um, on the 25th, Tuesday, up in Sacramento. That's an actual vote of Senate Natural Resources on AB 1191. And that'll probably be the last hearing before it goes to the floor, um, you know, uh, of the uh, of the Senate. And that's a big step because then we're getting close to the final vote and getting this thing on the governor's desk, hopefully by, you know, August or September so he can sign it. So we're, we're kind of in the late innings on both the bills and, uh, you know, we're making a ton of progress. And usually these bills, the way that they don't get through is that they get stuck in a committee. They don't really get voted down on the floor, typically. And so the key is to just keep clearing the hurdles, you know, addressing any concerns people have, making the necessary revisions to ensure that we can get the legislation through. Is there ever a point, because, I mean, sometimes when, when you want to do business, you want to speed it up. You want it to be fast. You, wanna, you want everything to happen now. Is, is there times where you have to step back and you have to be patient? Because it is a really long process. Well, if you try to speed it up too much and take unnecessary or, I would say, shortcuts, which is not something we're proposing, it can kind of undermine the whole project. And so you have to be thoughtful in understanding you know, what the timelines are, what the protocols are, and working through the process in an effective way. That's what we did down in San Jose with the earthquakes. And it took basically five years from inception to when we actually, you know, opened um, the privately financed, you know, soccer stadium. And it's the same thing here. We're like, hey, we're going to have to get through this session, get the votes done. You know, last year we got one piece of legislation. These two pieces of legislation, which are a trust exchange that allows us to build on the water, and a tax increment financing area that allows us to invest in infrastructure. They couldn't have been done last year. It'd be great to have done them a year before, but they wouldn't have been possible. And so understanding the order of operations is very important to having success with these big, you know, public-private partnerships. You, you mentioned the governor, Gavin Newsom, and I've been able to interview Gavin over the years because he is a big sports guy. He he. he pitched in college he played baseball yeah he pitched at santa clara and he's a big baseball fan how much have you been able to talk to him and how much do you think he's going to be in our corner well he's a very important person obviously in the state and setting the vision for where uh we're go- going um you know legislatively and he obviously has a tie to the bay area and so he's someone that 
Uh, we've been educating on the project, and I think he's asked a lot of good questions. And, you know, we hope when it gets in front of him, these bills, that he will sign them, just like how Jerry Brown signed the bill last year. Um, and, you know, our indication is that that, that is going to happen if it's done in a responsible way that makes sense to everyone's priorities. And so we're just, you know, taking it day by day and earning the res- respect and rapport with all the key folks, including the governor. And plus, my God, I mean, he was the mayor of San Francisco. He he knows all about, you know, Pac Bell Park, which was then SBC yeah. Global, which was then AT&T and now Oracle Park. He's seen it in his own city, how it works. Yeah, and the impact and the jobs it created and the, you know, it took an old dilapidated, you know, terminal there that wasn't used and refurbished it. And we're doing the same thing in Oakland and, you know, just making sure that all the stakeholders are heard. And so... Yeah, I think his uh, personal experience with it is really important in terms of leading to uh, his support and success. You know, let, let, let's end on this from the baseball side. It's it, it's amazing how close last year's team is compared to this year's team at the same exact time. It's a one-game difference, and it was this time last year that this team caught hot, they ended up winning 97 games. They were the best team in the second half. And I just got a feeling we're going to see a repeat of what we saw last year with this ball club. Well, I think the tenacity and resilience of the road trip was case in point, where there was just so many things and that the team could have folded. But under the leadership of Bob Melvin and the rest of the coaching staff and the leadership of the players and folks like Matt Chapman and Simeon and Loriano, you know, it's just, You just see a team that knows it can win, and that is really a special thing to see and uh, something that I'm very proud of, and hopefully our fans are too. You know, I always say I'll talk to you in two weeks, but you know what's crazy? Every two weeks, I've got no idea what we're going to talk about because you just keep accomplishing so many things. It's great. We always have something to talk about. Yeah, well, it's good. I mean, that's a good thing, and it's it's needed because there are a lot of steps in this process, but – we continue to, to knock them down, the dominoes, and, you know, move one step closer to that 2023 opening um, at our new waterfront ballpark at Jack London Square. All righty. Safe travels. We'll see you during this homestand, and then we'll talk to you in two weeks for another edition of The Build. Awesome. Take care, my friend. Dave Cavill, the president of your Oakland Athletics. Boom. How about that? I mean, it's really something that's never been done. Well, that's what we do around here. We do things that's never been done before. The updates that you are getting every two weeks, the transparency you're getting every two weeks from the man that's making this happen is unbelievable. You're getting access into a building that can change a city. And every two weeks, you're going to hear about how, how it's going. To me, that's exciting, and there's always new stuff. So he's going to take us through this journey, what's happening with Oakland, what's happening with Alameda County, what's happening with the state, what's happening with Sacramento, the capital of our great state, Gavin Newsom, the governor. Yeah, I've dealt with Gavin quite a few times in multiple shows and stations that I've been on where we'd bring him on. And I, I, you know... As a guy, I like him as a guy. I mean, I'm not, I mean, 
politics and being a governor. I mean, I'm a baseball guy. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, but, yeah, he's a former pitcher at Santa Clara. And he's big into sports. So Newsom's going to play into our into our realm, right? And I think what was big was said there was like, yeah, I mean, he's a San Francisco guy. He knows. He was the mayor of San Francisco. He's had a lot of different roles in San Francisco. He knows exactly what it meant to get Pac Bell Park. It's had a bazillion names now. He knows how big it was to get Pac Bell Park built. And he also knows how big it was to lose the 49ers to Santa Clara. And he knows how big it is for San Francisco to now get the Warriors. And he knows that Oakland needs all the help it can get making the A's work because they're losing the Warriors and the Raiders. I mean, right now, if I had to bet, I'd say he's the perfect guy to be governor. Because what would happen if, let's say, the governor was somebody who ran from Los Angeles who may not care? I mean, I can't all the issues we have in the state of California and you're 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 coming to me about a ballpark. I mean, Gavin Newsom is a Bay Area guy who knows all about the Bay Area sports landscape. He's a big Bay. He's a big Bay Area sports fan. So I'm going to want to believe that Gavin Newsom being the governor is far better than some guy from, I don't know, Palm Springs. Chico. Nothing wrong with any of these places. Somewhere in the valley, they may not care. Gavin Newsom knows all about the whole deal with San Jose, with Fremont. He's lived here. He gets it. And I think he's going to be a great ally for the Oakland Athletics. On this date in baseball history, you ready for this? 1948, on this date. Babe Ruth's number three was retired at Yankee Stadium as Ruth made his final appearance at Yankee Stadium in front of a crowd of 49,641. Ruth would pass away two months later, August August 16th, 1948. If you ever heard what he sounded like, he could barely talk. But a man that saved baseball. You all can debate who the greatest player is of all time. And everybody likes to never go back to the players of yesteryear. But if there is anybody, anybody, that should get the credit for where this game is today over a $10 billion business, It's this guy. Because sports, and you can look at a lot of sports, and they could thank Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, baseball, teams were going out of business. They were running out of money. Babe Ruth would show up for three days with the Yankees. They'd pack the house, and that franchise would now have money and could pay their employees. Babe Ruth is one of the reasons why baseball survived during some really bad times because he was a star of stars. So whoever you think 
and we can say, well, hey, Ripken was big for, for helping baseball. So was the steroid era and all the home runs. But if you really go back to it and really read, where would a baseball, would we even have, where would professional sports be? If baseball didn't have the success, you can't tell me that didn't help professional football and then help NBA and then help hockey. But Babe Ruth really made professional sports and Major League Baseball a big investment. He was the man. Just wanted to give you that. On this date, 1948, they retired number three. Coming up next, we're going to talk to one of the authors of The MVP Machine, how baseball's new nonconformists are using data to build better players. Fascinating next on A's Cast Live. Want to give back to the community along with some of your favorite A's players and front office staff? Through the A's volunteer team, fans can join us in giving back to Oakland and the East Bay. Through your time and energy, fans can earn rewards based on the number of hours spent volunteering. To get started, visit athletics.com slash community. That's athletics.com slash community. From sweet plans to single game suites, there's nothing like premium hospitality and athletics baseball. New for the 2019 season, food and beverages are now included in all suites plus options to create a three-game suite plan. Plus, select plans also include an A's Access membership, allowing you to attend every regular season home game. To learn more about A's Suites, visit athletics.com suites. That's athletics.com suites. Now is the time to secure your own terrace table with seating for two or four people to eat, drink, and cheer the A's right from these amazing new half-moon tables. With awesome in-seat ordering and exclusive discounts, this might be the best seat in the house. So grab your friends, family, or coworkers and come out early for a great day at the ballpark. To learn more about the terrace and some of the other exciting new ballpark locations, visit athletics.com premium today. Playing in Hero Town, it's only fitting to get your group together to reserve the Budweiser Hero Deck. Located next to the right field foul pole, this awesome new space can hold around 100 people and a bunch of home run balls. With an all-inclusive buffet, now is the time to be the hero of your friends and colleagues by grabbing tickets and a cold one for a great day at the ballpark. For more information about the Budweiser Hero Deck, visit athletics.com premium today. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. We're going to have a little adapt or die. And I can't wait to talk to Travis Shawchick. MLB reporter for 538. He's worked for The Athletic. He's got a couple books out. And we're going to get into the, the book. And, and, and I can tell you, you know, learning a little bit more about the Tampa Rays being that The Athletics were just there. And I was in St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg, Florida. They've got an interesting dilemma. So St. Petersburg is not Tampa Bay. 
just to let you know. And St. Petersburg is where the trop is, and that's why they were able to get the raise. The Giants were supposed to go there. They didn't go there. But the team needs to be in Tampa Bay. The team needs to be – they need to get out of St. Petersburg, and they need to get into Tampa Bay. Like the Tampa Bay Lightning have sold out the last seven years. That's where – and what we found out while we were there is that it's really hard to get from Tampa over to St. Pete. It's a pain in the you-know-what. That's one of the reasons why they're having their problems with attendance. And if they were in Tampa and they were really the Tampa Rays, they'd be drawing from a much bigger selection of people, way bigger population, Tampa and all around, to be more of a regional team. All right, his first book was Big Data Baseball, Math Miracles and the End of a 20-Year Losing Streak. Of course, that is a book that is about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Went 20 years being under 500. And now he is the co-author of The MVP Machine, how baseball's new nonconformists are using data to build better players. Travis, I want to thank you for taking the time, and I can't wait to read this book. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be with you. So when I, I you know, we were just in, in Tampa Bay, and I was with the A's. And, you know, two of the, you know, more analytical franchises It is so interesting to watch these teams that are not spending a lot of money but can continue to compete with the big boys in their sport. Yeah, and we all know uh, 16 years ago, as Michael Lewis chronicled, the A's changed baseball and how front offices are comprised and how teams think about uh, evaluating what's important on a baseball field with the Moneyball era. And every team has some sort of Moneyball-like thinking or component to its front office. But in today's game, with that uh, market inefficiency gone, that competitive advantage gone, teams and individual players have to look elsewhere for advantages. And Ben Lindbergh, uh, my co-author, and I argue that it is in player development where the advantage is in today's game, and it's the start of the next thing after Moneyball is this era of elevating skill levels and talent levels and rethinking what players' individual ceilings are and uh, major league teams trying to take this idea to scale throughout their system, like the Astros have done so well, like uh, the Tampa Bay Rays and some other, some other clubs are doing really well. So we argue that this is the next big thing in baseball, and that's that's what our new book focuses on. Is player development is the new market inefficiency in baseball. There's no question. It is so real, and it'll tie into golf. As I was down at Pebble Beach today for the U.S. Open, And I remember having this conversation with my brother, who's a teaching professional in San Diego. Uh, My brother used to test for Titleist in the early 90s using TrackMan. And it's like like baseball is kind of – well, you know, TrackMan was built to really show you the golf ball goes farther, the clubs are – because they were trying to sell equipment. They weren't trying to make make players better. They were trying to make money. And it's interesting how finally baseball has caught on board when we have all these high-tech cameras, we have radar, we have TrackMan. And as you mentioned, the Houston Astros – and I was talking about this earlier – they can look at a guy like Justin Verlander and they can say, hey, Verlander in Detroit, you know what? Verlander, if we get him here with what we have, we can make him better. Talk about how the Astros have been so good at that. They'll take your guys and turn them into better baseball players. Right. We argue that they are the vanguard of this. They're the model of player development and getting more out of players. And Verlander is a great example. Garrett Cole is another good example. Ryan Presley in the bullpen, another great example. They're bringing all these pitchers, and they show them not just what pitches are more effective and where they should throw them, 
but they also have all this high-speed slow-motion video that they capture, and they showed Verlander how to adjust his slider grip to throw his most efficient, best-breaking slider. Uh, same thing with Garrett Cole, Charlie Morton. All these guys have the data, the video, the combination of these factors, uh, and it goes throughout their system. With most teams, we're just kind of experimenting with high-speed cameras this spring, uh, the Edutronic high-speed camera, which is sort of like TrackMan. It wasn't designed for baseball, but Trevor Bauer famously purchased the first Edutronic camera to help develop his two-seamer five years ago, and the Astros were the first team to really invest in these cameras. And So as most teams invested in their first this offseason, the Astros had 75 of these cameras hard-mounted throughout their minor league system at their major league ballpark, and they were capturing video this high-res, slow-motion video on every major every major league pitch grip, a lot of minor league pitch grips and biomechanical movements, and they were using, the, using this data in part to learn the best pitch grips, to learn the best movements of the pitcher and hitter, uh, to look at bat paths, along with pitch tracking data, track man that you mentioned. And they're using all this information to teach better. Uh, they've hired more like-minded coaches. A few years ago, they essentially fired every traditional-minded pitching coach in the organization replace them with younger, often college coaches who are in line with the front office's vision. And what we see is that the Astros, it's not just the major league, major league level. If you look at their system from rookie ball to AAA last year, they led the minors at their affiliates in strikeout rate and spin rate on pitches, uh, launch angle. They were leading in all these desirable characteristics, and they've created this conveyor belt of sorts, this sustainable machine, because they're buying in to – the idea, this growth mindset that your skill level and talent level is not fixed. There are better ideas, better tech, better data to build better baseball players. Is this the type of stuff that's in the book? It absolutely is. We have a whole chapter dedicated to the Astros. Uh, and if you mentioned the Rays, you look at what they did with uh, Tyler Glass now before he had the injury this year, Austin Meadows, Yandy Diaz. They're taking all these guys in and getting more out of them. And I, the A's have success stories, too, of getting more out of players. And But the Astros... We argue at the vanguard of this, and teams are trying to catch up. Yeah, that's why I, I, I'm very interested in reading your book, and you know that the, the people who are listening to us right now are going to be very interested because, as, as you mentioned, Moneyball, but this is taking Moneyball to a whole new level. The book is called The MVP Machine, How Baseball's New Nonconformists Are Using Data to Build Better Players. And what just shows you how sometimes baseball is so archaic, Travis, is that we had college baseball teams using this kind of information and high-tech cameras and radar before big league teams were using it. (laughs) That's right. Uh, One of the parts I love about this story is that this isn't a top-down driven story like Moneyball was, where Billy Bean has this vision of how things should be done and he forces it down the throats of the whole entire organization. And, you know, while he's right, it was very top-down driven, where our story is bottom-up. A lot of the best ideas and a lot of this tech started at the college level, the amateur ranks, or at independent facilities, like uh, Craig Wallenbach, Craig, Craig Wallenbrock's hitting facility, Doug Lada's hitting facility in Los Angeles, Driveline Baseball in Seattle, all these places outside the pro game. A lot of these ideas have trickled up. Uh, Derek Falvey, who is now the Twins GM. He was in Cleveland. He was an assistant in Cleveland before he took over the Twins job. And he would go to college coaching clinics. He was the first executive to show up at these things because he was in search of new ideas. The pro game is very closed where each 
major league organization was kind of like its individual fortress or silo, and no one wanted to share ideas. They looked at each other's competitors, which they were, but Falvey found the college game to be much more open, and he was fascinated by these ideas, uh, how coaches were using weighted balls and high-speed cameras and building their own contraptions to try to make players better. Uh, Wes Johnson was one of these coaches he was fascinated with, and he hired Wes Johnson to to be the Twins pitching coach this year. The first uh, direct college to major league jump uh, as a coach or manager to be done in 40 years, uh, which speaks and highlights how this is changing. Driveline Baseball had eight uh, employees hired by major league organizations this offseason. As we were reporting the book, we had to keep updating all these guys being hired <laughs> by pro teams in search about these ideas. So that's a really cool component. Teams like Missouri, Iowa, North Carolina were ahead of most pro teams and developmental practices, which is crazy to think about. But that's how far behind pro baseball has become. It's just so unbelievable to me. It's just when I think about it, and I I don't like to bag on my sport because I love my sport, but it just shows you. And that's why we call this adapt or die, and we take the – we, we take from Moneyball where Billy Bean in Moneyball, Brad Pitt says, well, here, we're going to play it for you. This is what this is what we do right here, and this is uh, – you'll like this. This is from the movie Moneyball. It's time for – Adapt or Die. On A's Cast Live. You don't put a team together with a computer, Billy. I love that. And that's yeah, and, and Billy Bean said it, adapt or die, and a lot of people in baseball. I mean, think about how long ago Moneyball was. And I remember being here in the Bay Area, and I know Billy well. It, it, it changed not only baseball, but it changed all the other teams and all the other sports because everybody started making their employees read it. And then businesses got a hold of it because the book was so popular and the movie was so popular. And then people in other businesses, other lines of work, started making their employees read it. It's like, how are we not trying to get better? Why are we trying to block what, what can make our sport, our business better? Yeah, it's it's amazing, and you still hear people complain about analytics and data in sport too, which is really remarkable because we're 16 years out from that book being published, and all the information is. And I hear people complain about launch angle and spin rate, uh, like it's difficult to grasp, and maybe it's more on broadcasters and media to make it more digestible. But you know, Babe Ruth had a launch angle, and it was pretty. It was a good launch angle. It's something people, some people complain about today. Walter Johnson had a spin rate. Bob Feller had a spin rate. It's just that today we can measure them. We have the technology to measure this stuff. TrackMan uh, came online in 2015 in all the major league stadiums with StatCast, and Rapsodo is an important mobile pitch tracking device that we see in batting practice now in uh, minor league bullpens. I, I just was a double-A game, and in Akron here in Ohio last week, and the Phillies brought out the Rapsodo unit for batting practice to measure the exit velocity and spin rate of what their hitters were doing. Were doing. Same thing they brought out to the bullpen. And you combine the Rapsodo uh, with the Edutronic camera, and you have the most powerful Rosetta Stone in sport today, I'd argue right now, when it comes to pitch design. Uh, and the Rapsodo is a little different than TrackMan because it gives you the spin axis of a pitch. And what is a pitch? It does three things. It's a velocity it is a spin rate, and it is a spin axis. And if you can understand how to create the spin axis you want with your grip and wrist location, you can create any pitch you want. And we followed Trevor Bauer's development of his slider last year, which he didn't have after the 2017 season. He wanted to build one, and he used the edutronic camera to see exactly how his fingers 
were imparting spin on the ball and influencing the spin axis last winter. And he created uh, one of the best sliders in baseball last year. It's become even better this year. It leads all major league sliders and horizontal or, you know, that side to side movement. And he just used the camera and Rapsoda to do this. It's uh, does he have some special physical qualities? He argues he doesn't. Could everyone do this? Perhaps not, but more pitchers could. And it'll be fascinating to see if there's a critical mass that develops one day where more pitchers are learning how to create better, more efficient breaking balls. And, and what that means for hitters, it's going to become harder to hit. Travis Shawchick, you can read him at 538, but also you can read the book. He's a co-author of The MVP Machine, How Baseball's New Nonconformance Are Using Data to Build Better Players. So you're saying this is the new wave. How do you make your players better? How do you get other people's players and make them better? Let's take it a step further. Is the next big wave is getting this, all this kind of data on minor league players and college players to where it helps you elevate guys through your minor league system and also who to draft? Yeah, it's like the teams like the Astros that have done it the best to date of taking this to scale throughout their entire system and getting more out of guys. And, uh, you know, whether it's you look at a guy like Josh James last year, who's not on any prospect radars to begin the season, and he ends up in their bullpen at the end of the year throwing 100 miles an hour with a wipeout slider and changeup. It's like, where did this guy come from? Uh, Kyle Tucker's another guy they're getting a lot out of. You just look at their system. They don't just have a great major league team. They have a great minor league team. They haven't been drafting that high lately, and they even blew some top picks like the Mark Appel pick, but they are getting more out of the players they draft. Uh, and at the college ranks, we're seeing, as we mentioned earlier, there are some colleges that are doing this very well, but we're going to see more and more that are doing it very well. And what's, what's interesting is we'll see more, what I predict we'll see, is more amateur players come to the pro game with better skills, with better talent levels, and they'll... Uh, they'll be closer to major league ready. They'll be pushing those that aren't. And I think we'll continue to see the average age of major league players decline. And that has you know, a lot of ramifications as far as what that means for free agency and other things. But I think we're going to see more and more uh, younger players, higher skill levels. And, uh, you know, that's, that's an interesting kind of ramification and side effect of this movement. Well, uh, Travis, as you mentioned it, we're seeing it as we speak where the top players in baseball are all under 30, and no one wants to pay guys that are over 30, and that is a problem with the upcoming CBA. But the good news is for baseball is that the majority of these guys that are under 30 have signed some type of extension, so they're going to want to play versus some type of labor stoppage. But, yeah, that's the thing. It's like younger players are going to be better, and that's going to be death for the older players the game is changing. You adapt or die, as Billy Bean once said. That's exactly right. And we argue it's never changed so quickly. And we quantify in the book, uh, we make an argument and we prove it through some statistics that the average talent level of the game has always you know, slowly increased decade to decade, year by year, typically. But it's that has exploded. It's growing exponentially now because of, in part, this movement and skill development. And we're going to see the talent level continue to increase, uh, just as we've seen pitching velocity continue to continue to spike year after year. Uh, we're going to see better breaking balls. We're going to see hitters with more optimized swings. I mean, what happens when the J.D. Martinez and Justin Turner basically lost major league jobs when they decided to reinvent themselves. They were not the best athletes on the field. 
they reinvented their swings. They got on board with the modern swing plane and uh, you know, worked with outside instructors. What happens when the best athletes begin to practice and train in these ways? Well, you get a guy like Mookie Betts last year who went on to win the AL MVP. So it's interesting. Uh, this has all sorts of ramifications, and it's, it's really exciting, but it, it leaves some questions too. Like if everyone optimizes their skill sets, that means more strikeouts, more home runs, uh, less fewer balls in play. And, you know, I have a four-year-old son, and is this going to be the kind of game that is attractive to, you know, a casual young fan where the ball's never put in play? Are you going to want to watch that on TV? I don't know. From It might not be great for the fan experience, and that's something we also explore in the book. And a big problem, and everybody's starting to get on board, is not only are players getting better and changing how they play, a lot of people in this game think there's a juiced ball effect too. So if everybody's getting better and everybody's throwing harder and everybody's hitting the ball further and the ball is juiced, I agree. I don't think that's a good thing. I think Major League Baseball really needs to look into the baseball. What do you think? Yeah, there's been some really fascinating research, and there's a lot of players who anecdotally believe there's something different, whether it is the lowered seams or the, the ball is slightly smaller, the core principles. Uh, yeah, it sure seems like there's something going on in addition to more hitters lifting the ball in the air. And, you know, Josh Donaldson, another former A, who was another one of these early adopters of the modern swing plane. Uh, if you have a juice ball, you have more hitters getting the ball in the air. And Major League Launch Angle has increased every year Stackhouse has been around. It's a recipe for a lot of home runs. And ballparks have also gotten smaller, too. And guys are going to continue to get bigger and stronger, you'd think. So, yeah, it's another... Uh, it's another conundrum for the game. And what's interesting, I'll be fascinated to see this partnership Major League Baseball has with the Independent Atlantic League that they've begun this year. And next year, they're going to move the mound back to 62 feet at midseason and see what that, see what that means for uh, the style of play. I think the idea is to kind of combat velocity games and what would that mean for Major League play and getting the ball in play. So. If we look at baseball as a living document, we might have to be okay with some rule changes down the road to, to combat this optimization of the game and, and the things we document in the book. Really? They're going to move the mound back in the in, in the experimental league? <laughs> they are. And it's, it's going to be really fun to see what, see what that means. But, yeah, next summer in the Atlantic League, they're going to move the pitching mound back to 62 feet and 6 inches. And uh, you know, that should give hitters more reaction time, but there's a counter-argument that, well, that's just going to mean that sliders slide more and curveballs break more, and it's going to be even harder to hit breaking balls. So it's going to be fascinating to see what that means for strikeout rate and balls in play and all sorts of things. You just blew my mind. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to follow that. And you know, it's in part to response to what we're seeing with the strikeouts and the home runs and the velocity and guys getting better and better and better. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah, it's it's not just baseball. You watch Jeopardy, and Jeopardy James ruins the game because he optimizes it. So are they gonna? It's uh, the spelling bee. There's like eight kids that tie for a championship because they ran out of words this year. So it's not just baseball where skill it, skill levels are enhanced and being optimized, but it's the game we love and that we cover, and we think we're in the midst of something, a really big movement and revolution in the sport. Hey, we, we got the Golden State Warriors. You know, we, we have learned that taking a three is better than taking a two. I mean, everything, every sport is changing in front of us. I cannot wait to read this book, so please send us a couple copies. That would be incredible. We'd love to give it out to our audience. Once again, the book is The MVP Machine, How Baseball's New Nonconformance 
nonconformists are using data to build better players. Travis, we've got to have you on again. Thank you so much for the time. This was great. Thank you. Wow. Wow. They're also going to be trying a tackier ball. So ball that you can get a better grip on so we don't have to have pine tar, have people actually complaining because, I mean, that's, that's, that's become ridiculous. The pine tar incident earlier this year, it was the Yankees and who? You remember Commander Cody, who it was? It was the Yankees, and they asked Aaron Boone about it after, and he wanted no part of it. And he's not going to go out and throw anybody under the bus because his pitchers are using it. You want everybody using it. You want everybody to have a better grip. You want everybody having a better grip on the baseball when everybody is throwing super hard. Oh, those Kikuchi. Yeah, Kikuchi, I guess, was using pine tar for, for the Mariners against the Yankees, and the Yes cameras caught it. And then after the reporters were like, hey, the Yes. Uh, they, uh, remember Pineda had it all over his neck when he was with the Yankees? All the pitchers are using it because you get a better grip. And you know what? Hitters want you to have a better grip. Because this new baseball, as much as they're rubbing it up with the mud, is slicker. And do you want guys out on the mound not throwing 98, 97 with a slick baseball? And they don't know where it's going? I know if I was a hitter, I'd want them using pine tar. I would have loved to have used pine tar. But now they're talking about, okay, we got, okay. Pine tar is considered a foreign substance. Which bothers me about that is why can you use it on the bat for a better grip, but you can't use it on the ball for a better grip? Hypocrites, for God's sakes. Hitters are hypocrites. But baseball realizes, okay, we can't let them use pine tar because of the rules, yada, yada, yada. So why don't we create, and they're going to test. It's either it's in play right now somewhere like the Atlantic League, or it's going to happen next year, where Rawlings is creating a baseball that's a tackier baseball. So you can say, hey, guys, we're going to help you out. We know we're making you start earlier. Play later. So you're playing in – I mean, for God's sakes, you're playing in places where it could snow. You're playing in places where it's freezing cold in March. We want to help you out. Instead of putting pine tar, we're going to create a ball that will – Give you a better grip. Why would you want a slicker ball? Why would you want a slick ball? You think they want a slicker ball in basketball? No. Baseball's finally figuring some things out. How about that That conversation? That's the kind of stuff. Can, can we get the adapter die, please? Can we get adapter die? It's time for adapter die on A's Cast Live. You don't put a team together with a computer, Billy. From the 408. Let me get that up here. 408. Wow, good stuff in that interview. I'm mind blown. You know what? Me too, 408. Adapt or die. Adapt. You don't put a team together with a computer, Billy. <laughs> Adapt or die. How about that? How about that? Colleges like Vanderbilt have had better technology on how to make their players better than billion-dollar businesses. That's what Major League Baseball teams are. 
They're billion-dollar businesses. You've had colleges, certain colleges. Now, certain colleges are billion-dollar businesses themselves. Certain colleges make a lot of money off their athletic departments. Yeah. Teams in the Big Ten, teams in the SEC, teams in the ACC, Pac-12, Big 12. It's it's no joke. They make a lot of money, these colleges. So they're big-time programs, too. But they've been using the technology because you had all these dinosaurs in baseball who wanted to, who wanted to fight it. Some still do. Like, where, what, what business is not analytically driven? You think Amazon became so popular or Google became so lucrative because they're not analytically driven, data driven? That's how they became what they are. Adapt or die. Seriously. Just because an old pitching coach, I, 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 I'm going to use the eye test. Why? And I love telling the story about TrackMan. TrackMan has been used by Titleist. They were the first ones to do it. Back in the early, I mean early, I may even say it could have been the late 80s. But guys started, like, testing with it. And the reason why they did it was, okay, I need to sell clubs and balls. That's what we do as a company. And if I can show you numbers on why our golf ball goes farther, spins, whatever, all the different stuff, and the way the ball comes off the golf club goes further and you have better control, if I can prove that with numbers, that's powerful for sales. So that's why golf's been using it for so long, TrackMan, because TrackMan was about selling equipment. And then their players were smart. As they started testing the equipment and started going, oh, okay, I can see this with my swing and how fast is my club head swing. So now the players have been using it for years. And some teams, think about it, some teams recently have just started getting into this. And golfers have been using it since the nine, early 90s. Are absolutely archaic. I mean, how we've evaluated things in baseball, like? Not an ugly girlfriend. What's that mean? Ugly girlfriend means no confidence. I'm just saying. His girlfriend is a six at best. <laughs> yeah, give me another one. What else you got? I like guys oh, like that. They got guys. a little hair on their ass. <laughs> this is how we evaluate players. You ready? He throws a club head at the ball, and when he connects, it he drives it, it pops off the bat. You can hear it all over the ballpark. Can he hit? Can he hit? Ball explodes off his back. Can't hit the <laughs> Go ahead. Curveball. I mean, he's the kind of guy who walks into a room, his <laughs> already been there for two minutes. <laughs> there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. Good guy's player. an athlete, good player. big, good player. fast, good talented. Top of my list. Clean cut, good face. Who's Fabio? <laughs> Who's Fabio? <laughs> I got to continue to talk about this. This this stuff for me, I, I can't get enough of this. I'm fascinated by I'm fascinated by it right here on A's Cast Live. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 
15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program, presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com future for more information. Playing in Hero Town? It's only fitting to get your group together to reserve the Budweiser Hero Day. Located next to the right field foul pole, this awesome new space can hold around 100 people and a bunch of home run balls. With an all-inclusive buffet, now is the time to be the hero of your friends and colleagues by grabbing tickets and a cold one for a great day at the ballpark. For more information about the Budweiser Hero Day, visit athletics.com premium today. It's time to grab your reserved space in the popular Connie Mack Club. The club space gives your group a private area located in Shy Park Tavern for the entire ball game. The Connie Mack Club features access to outdoor seating and includes a pre-game buffet filled with our highest-end food package. This area of the ballpark is perfect for 30 to 50 guests to kick back, relax, and enjoy the game. For more information about the Connie Mack Club and other group offers, visit athletics.com groups. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program, presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com future for more information. If you love chicken pies and a dynamic menu, then you're going to love the chicken pie shop of Walnut Creek. You have to try their world-famous chicken pie dinner, which has been served in Southern California for 80 years. That's a chicken pie shop right off Main Street in downtown Walnut Creek, located at 1251 Arroyo Way. Parking's easy, perfect for events, daily drink and food specials, and best of all, great food. Check out their menu at chickenpieshopwc.com. That's chickenpieshopwc.com, right off Main Street, Walnut Creek. Hey, kids, have you ever wanted to run the bases like your favorite A's player? Well, here's your chance. Children ages 14 and under can come onto the field following most Sunday home games and race around the bases with A's mascot Stomper there to cheer them on. Make sure to pack your running shoes so you can show off your speed. Race Around the Bases is brought to you by the Oakland A's Community Fund. If you're a baseball fan and a parent, you've probably had to explain to your kid that a 2-2 count isn't something a ballerina wears. As a parent or even a sibling, you may have also had to explain that a makeup game doesn't involve lipstick or mascara. But as a parent and an A's fan, we do hope you know about our new A's stomping ground. This awesome space is open and waiting for you. From awesome new games for kids to interactive activities, the A's Stomping Ground is right for you and your family. So the next time the kids want to know what a sandwich pick is or who got that 2-2 pitch, you will know it's time to go to a ball game and visit the A's Stomping Ground, a free area in right field for kids and families. Visit athletics.com slash stomping ground to learn today. That's athletics.com slash stomping ground. 
This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Goal for Yelich! Cody Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I hope you're enjoying the program today because I am. Good to be back home. Good to be back at the Coliseum tomorrow. Going to have a good show, I know for a fact. Marcus Simeon's going to join us. Remember, we're on the field tomorrow. We're back home. We'll be on the field. Marcus Simeon's going to join us tomorrow. Matt Williams, the big Marine's going to join us tomorrow. Jam-packed show. Chris Russo had to cancel from the MLB Network. We're going to have him on. We're going to reschedule him for next week. I was really looking forward to talking a lot about home runs with Chris Russo. The Houston Astros, they are a team that we're going to have to we're going to have to contend with these guys for a long time. They are not going away. And the fact that in that book and hopefully we'll get the book soon, it's going to be so much about not only what everybody's doing with analytics and data but but how what 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 are they really doing with it and they really get into the Astros which they should the Houston Astros are legit they're 46 and 23 one more win than the Dodgers is anybody going to be shocked if we have an Astros Dodgers World Series again And they are, year after year, we got to get Jeffrey Lunau on. Year after year, they're going less against the scouting trend. Now, I know our buddy Eno Saris thinks that's going to come back and bite him in the end. But I'm not so sure about that because of what we just heard in that interview. They are finding ways to make all of their players better. Not just at the big league level, at the minor league level. And then we found out what they're doing for the draft now. So what they're doing is they're hiring people just to show up so there's a certain player. Let's say we got Chris Townsend's at San Jose State, and we're interested in Chris Townsend. So instead of sending my scout there and doing all that, I'm just going to send a guy. I'm going to pay a guy locally. And there's plenty of companies that will do that here in the Bay Area that you'd hire them and you'd take camera guy out, cheap. Hey, film this guy. Film every one of his at-bats. Film the pitcher. Film every one of his pitches. And send us the video. And then we'll take whatever we have and watch that video and turn that video around 
and we get to actually see the kid versus someone writing a report. All right, top 10. 10 being great, one being not so great. He's got a six curveball. He's got a seven, you know, and then the writing just words. I really like his delivery. Blah, 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 blah. Why do you need all that? I'm not trying to say get rid of scouts like the way the Astros are doing, but what they're saying is I can pay somebody in El Paso. If I, there's this hot shot kid that I want to look at, instead of sending some scout out there, I just pay somebody from some video company, tape it, and send me back the video, and then my people in the front office can look at it and evaluate it that way. Find out what his spin rate is. Find out what is the three things, velocity, spin rate, and spin access. Is that what he said? What did he say that was his top three? Travis Sawchick, that was his three, velocity, spin rate, and spin access. I can find that off the video. Why do I need to send a guy to have a report? I see what they're saying. I understand it. I would like to have both. I'd like to have the scouting report from my scout, somebody that I trust, and I would like to have the video. I'd like to have both. I mean, if you win another World Series, the Astros are making a lot of money, and you can afford both. But think about Verlander. He's a great example. Are we read? Do we have Ver? Verlander yesterday struck out a career high. 15 bat. This guy's 36 years old. He struck out 15 batters. Here are all 15 of Justin Verlander's strikeouts. Verlander has just been the man since coming over from the Tigers. Tonight making his 15th start of the year. Swing and a miss. A three-pitch strikeout to start this game. Swing and a miss. Verlander strikes out Moustakis to end the first inning. Here, Justin Verlander strikes him out with a fastball up. That is three strikeouts for J.B. Campbell tried to hold up. He goes around. That's another strikeout for Verlander. He has four. Justin Verlander, first time through the lineup, has five strikeouts of the nine hitters he has faced. And now he gets them striking out on the slider. He got him with another good slider. And he goes down again. Swing and a miss. Nothing else. Couple of strikeouts and a ground down. Justin Verlander strikes out Kane, Yelich, and Braun. It's a new season high. 13 strikeouts for Verlander with 14 strikeouts tonight. Got him. A career high. 15 strikeouts for Justin Verlander. Yeah. Um, that's not against the Orioles. That's not that's not against the Marlins. That's against one of the better teams in baseball. That's against the first place Milwaukee Brewers. He struck out 15. Like the Brewers are a good team. A lot of teams strike out a lot, whatever. But that that's amazing to me. And they have made Verlander a better pitcher, the Houston Astros. When he, when he came in, and this is what greatness is. You know what? We'll talk about it. Why can someone get better as they get older and they're not using PEDs? Why? We'll talk about it right here on A's Cast Live. 
The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program, presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com future for more information. Chris Townsend for nestbedding.com. If you've been mattress shopping, you know the cost of a memory foam mattress is insane. And what do you know about the company that makes the mattress and the other one that sold it to you? Check out my friends at nestbedding.com, a local company that actually makes the mattress they sell right here in the USA, which means you get a high-quality memory foam mattress at half the cost, and shipping is always free. I love this company, local business, made in the USA, free shipping. Did I mention their lifetime guarantee? Mattress and bedding needs. Go to Nest betting.com want to add to your collection of a's memorabilia but can't make it to the coliseum during every weekend home series the oakland a's community fund will hold a digital silent auction through the mlb ballpark app you can bid on rare memorabilia items including baseballs jerseys bats game used equipment and autographed items proceeds from the silent auction benefit the oakland a's community fund and its initiatives in the community Download the app at athletics.com slash ballpark app. If you're a baseball fan and a parent, you've probably had to explain to your kid that a 2-2 count isn't something a ballerina wears. As a parent or even a sibling, you may have also had to explain that a makeup game doesn't involve lipstick or mascara. But as a parent and an A's fan, we do hope you know about our new A's stomping ground. This awesome space is open and waiting for you. From awesome new games for kids to interactive activities, the A's stomping ground is right for you and your family. So the next time the kids want to know what a sandwich pick is or who got that 2-2 pitch, you will know it's time to go to a ball game and visit the A's stomping ground, a free area in right field for kids and families. Visit athletics.com slash stomping ground to learn today. That's athletics.com slash stomping ground. Who doesn't love a good happy hour? The Cornerstone gives your group a unique happy hour experience. The area treats up to 40 to 50 guests with a package that includes food and beverage along with an intimate pregame experience. Plus, the experience comes with an awesome seating option that we can build to fit your needs. To learn more about the Cornerstone and other unique group experiences, visit athletics.com groups. Athletics.com groups. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Got a lot of good things going in the Bay and in Northern California right now. They're still teeing it up down at Pebble. We'll keep you updated on that. Of course, Warriors playing tonight. But we're talking baseball. It's baseball, Ray. So Dave Softy Mahler from Seattle is going to join me coming up here at 6.30 at the bottom of the hour. What the, the hell is going on around here? As Vince Lombardi once said about the Seattle Mariners. We can check in with the uh, – because, you know, their big thing right now, soccer and, well, and the 12th man, the Seahawks. The Sea Chickens. 
kind of teams Pete Carroll going to have this year? So the thing that I look at that I think we saw in Tampa, I think we're seeing in Houston. I know we're seeing it in Oakland. I know we're seeing it in, in Los Angeles. Is buy-in. You have to buy in. Everybody's got to be pulling on the same rope. And what's getting easier for these franchises is that the dinosaurs are being weeded out. And so all of these players that are coming to us now in the big leagues, they've dealt with pitch clocks. They've dealt with this stuff in the minor leagues. So once they're ready to start implementing some of this stuff at the big league level, these guys aren't going to flip out. You know who's going to flip out? The broadcasters. Because the broadcasters, they just can't adapt. They just don't. They want baseball to be the way they fell in love with baseball. And I've noticed that from listening and talking. And, you know, I, I know I know how the older broadcaster feels. This is not the game he grew up with and that he loved. But the game that where we are is the game that you're seeing at, at, at all lower levels. One of the greatest examples of this, to me, is the DH. If you ever wanna, if you ever wanna hear archaic broadcaster, when they go, the National League is the right way to play the game, and I just, I just shake my head. I mean, it's everybody's opinion, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say you're wrong. The only place in baseball that doesn't use a DH is the National League. Everywhere else in baseball, no one lets the pitcher hit. Because why would you? makes no sense. Unless he's a good hitting pitcher. High school baseball uses a DH, and the National League doesn't. Junior college baseball uses a DH, and National League baseball doesn't. Every level of college, from Division I, FBS, all the way down, NAIA, they use a DH, and the National League does it. Every level in the Giants minor league system and all the other National Leaguers, every, every league, A, low A, high A, double A, triple A, uses the DH. The only place it doesn't, they're big league clubs. So there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of kids playing baseball with the DH, but the National League doesn't. But they'll try to tell you that's the way to play baseball. Does that make sense? That's just one archaic thing that we could get into. Everybody else plays with the DH, but the National League at every level of baseball. These people don't want change, but too bad. The game's changing. The game is changing. And, and, and in these systems, basically, you buy in, 
or you're gone. And as Travis said, everybody in the Astros went, all right, we're just going to get rid of everybody and bring in people who are in the buy-in. And obviously it's working. There were 24 strikeouts. The Brewers struck out 24 times yesterday. The first of those 22 strikeouts were all swinging. It absolutely is amazing. And the Brewers won the game in 14. That's the other thing that's crazy. The Brewers won 6-3 to a final in 14, despite the Astros pitchers striking out 24 batters. According to Sarah Langs, friend of the program, that was the seventh 20-strikeout team game this season. That tied for the most 20-strikeout team games in a single season in MLB history with the 2018 season. It's only June 13th. Two, two of the teams went on to win the game, the Brewers last night and the Rockies and the Red Sox earlier this year. Striking out a ton, but despite that, still winning. The record for most 20 strikeout wins is three last season. We have two already this year. Hitters have struck out 41,207 times last season. Currently, we're at 17,669 entering today. That's that's on pace to shatter the record by more than 2,000. I'm starting to think, and I want to read this book, I'm starting to think it's not all grip it and rip it. I'm starting to think it's not the lack of con, con, uh, contact, that no one no one's – maybe pitching is just that far better. Our players are getting to be better. Pitchers have more information on the hitters. Pitchers have more information on themselves. Pitchers are throwing – Our athletes are getting better. And what's the toughest thing to do in sports? Hit a baseball. Maybe it's even tougher to hit a baseball. We're going to run into more and hit home runs, but making contact's tougher because velocity's at an all-time high. Spin rate, spin access is all at an all-time high. And, yeah... Let's face it, if you're just a guy up there choking up trying to make contact, you're probably not going to be in the big leagues that long. They want you to drive the baseball. It's all fascinating stuff. And that's what we want to bring you here on Ace Cast Live, how the game is changing and explain to you how it's changing and how explaining to you it's not a bad thing. But Travis did say, Shawchick, lack of balls being put into play. I talked to Mark Langston, the former San Jose State Spartan baseball player. I talked to Langston about that. He thinks there's one easy way. There's one easy way you could speed up the game and you could get more balls put in play. Actually call the real strike zone. The real the, the real strike zone is supposed to be from your knees up to the letters of your jersey, the bottom part of your letters. That should be the strike zone. And you know what? Start calling strikes. Because what happens when you start calling strikes, the game speeds up. Guys have to put the ball in play. He said in his era, and this happened a couple couple times on the trip, who was the Ranger? 
There was one of the – while I was doing the play-by-play, there was one of the Rangers. Was it Mazzara? I think it was Mazzara. It was Odor, one of them. Take a strike. He'd step out, the batting gloves. Swing, fouled it back, step out, the batting gloves. Mark Langston said when he came up in the 80s, every single umpire was like, hey, hey, get in the box, let's go. Get in the box, let's go. Hey, pitcher, let's go. Hurry up, throw the baseball, let's go. Like they were constantly pushing you to go fast to where now they don't do it at all. They're supposed to do it, but they're not doing it. You have so many young players now in the game. Umpires could truly control the game more by pushing, speed it up, calling more strikes. Then all these home runs wouldn't take four hours, wouldn't take three and a half hours. Put it on the guys whose job it is to control the game and the game time. Controlling the game time is not on the manager. It's not on the players. It's on the guys who are in charge of the game. That's what we see in other sports. They don't want a lagging long basketball game. They're trying to push in the NBA for a faster game. Trying to do the same thing. You know, games with clocks. They're always trying to speed it up. Football, trying to speed it up. I can tell you, I'm on the sidelines of NFL games. They're trying to speed the game up. Our umpires? Ugh. We're heading to the Emerald City next. What the heck happened to the Seattle Mariners? And what is the future of this franchise as they're coming to town for three? We're heading to Seattle next right here on A's Cast Live. Want to add to your collection of A's memorabilia but can't make it to the Coliseum? During every weekend home series, the Oakland A's Community Fund will hold a digital silent auction through the MLB Ballpark app. You can bid on rare memorabilia items, including baseballs, jerseys, bats, game-used equipment, and autographed items. Proceeds from the silent auction benefit the Oakland A's Community Fund and its initiatives in the community. Download the app at athletics.com slash ballparkapp. It's time to grab your reserved space in the popular Connie Mack Club. The club space gives your group a private area located in Shive Park Tavern for the entire ball game. The Connie Mack Club features access to outdoor seating and includes a pre-game buffet filled with our highest-end food package. This area of the ballpark is perfect for 30 to 50 guests to kick back, relax, and enjoy the game. For more information about the Connie Mack Club and other group offers, visit athletics.com groups. Now is the time to secure your own terrace table with seating for two or four people to eat, drink, and cheer the A's right from these amazing new half-moon tables. With awesome in-seat ordering and exclusive discounts, this might be the best seat in the house. So grab your friends, family, or coworkers and come out early for a great day at the ballpark. To learn more about the terrace and some of the other exciting new ballpark locations, visit athletics.com premium today. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program. Presented by Kaiser Permanente. 
The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com future for more information. Looking to understand what makes the A's tick? With weekly shows with manager Bob Melvin and general manager David Forst, now you get the inside scoop into the green and gold. Download A's Cast today or head to athletics.com slash podcast to get started. Hey kids, have you ever wanted to run the bases like your favorite A's player? Well, here's your chance. Children ages 14 and under can come onto the field following most Sunday home games and race around the bases with A's mascot Stomper there to cheer them on. Make sure to pack your running shoes so you can show off your speed. Race Around the Bases is brought to you by the Oakland A's Community Fund. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. So for years, in my talk show days, I used to go on with Dave Softy Mahler up in Seattle. And that's when the Niners and the Seahawks had the great rivalry going. And they just completely hated Colin Kaepernick. They hated Jim Harbaugh. And it was hilarious to me. And I'm the Raiders guy, so I didn't care. Um... But, it, you know, it was a great rivalry. I mean, they were two of the best teams in football. And obviously that's just not the case anymore. Turkey on the 50, Crabtree, Richard Sherman. So we used to have a lot of fun when I'd go on up in Seattle. But we got, we'll talk a little bit about the Mariners, too, as the Mariners – you know, we saw them in Japan, and all of a sudden they got out to that great start, and it's been terrible ever since. Dave Chris Townsend here. I want to say thank you for stopping by our new adventure here called A's Cast Live. And I was just telling the story about how I always used to come on your show back in the good old days when the rivalry between the Seahawks, the 49ers, Harbaugh, Kaepernick was so good. Yeah, your boy Harbaugh really blew that up, man. That was uh, that was going good for a long, long time, and you guys ruined a good thing. So, appreciate that. No, you know what, dude? I uh, it's uh, it's my pleasure. I'm sitting here right now on the shores of Elliott Bay at a bar in downtown Seattle, hanging out, watching the basketball game, and talking to you. So, life could be worse, my friend. You know, I, I've been traveling around with the A's, and as this run's been going for the Warriors. I have noticed like everywhere we go, like on this last road, the road trip before I came up there to Seattle, then we went to Detroit, and then Cleveland, this latest one, Anaheim, Texas to Tampa. Every I didn't realize how much everybody outside of the Bay Area cannot stand the Golden State Warriors. Is that the uh, feeling in Seattle too? No, I don't think so uh, for a couple reasons. Number one, we still love Kevin Durant up here in Seattle after his one year he spent in Seattle. I mean, Kevin Durant was, you got to remember, he was just here for the one year. But in the very last regular season game against Dallas, the crowd is chanting, save our Sonics. And Kevin Durant, the rookie, is egging the crowd on, you know, which I thought was a really cool gesture by him. Kind of really ingrained himself in Seattle lore uh, during that one season here. So a lot of people still have a lot of affection for Kevin Durant. 
And you have a lot of Washington State fans up here that love Clay Thompson. So if there's one neck of the area, one neck of the woods that might actually be kind of not as anti-Golden State as others, it's Seattle. And you know what? I can't stand Toronto. I mean, mostly because I can't stand Canadians, number one. But then number two, (laughs) these damn Blue Jay fans come to Seattle and they completely overtake the ballpark here when uh, when the Blue Jays are in town. And they're all Raptor fans as well. So... Screw Toronto. I'm rooting for Golden State. Plus, I have money on the Warriors to win. So that's the main reason why. I love it. It's such a great sports town. Whether I'm coming (laughs) up there with the uh, A's or I'm coming up with the Raiders, I love coming to Seattle. They need to get their basketball team back. You think of all the big business there, whether it's Microsoft or whether it's Amazon or Boeing, it's just ridiculous that Seattle doesn't have an NBA team. Well, yeah, I mean, it's asinine. This is the 12th largest market in the country. And you know what? Uh, the problem with the arena was that they were third in line. I mean, you could get me going on a whole different tangent here, man, for God's sakes. I was also at the talk Mariner baseball. And now I'm all ticked off about the freaking Sonics again. But they came third in line behind the NFL, behind baseball. The city back then just did not have the appetite to redo a new arena and give Howard Schultz any money. And Howard Schultz just showed his true colors and and quit like a coward. I mean, this guy's talking about running for president. Please give me a break. I'd rather have a corpse than Howard Schultz in the White House. This guy has no spine. He belongs nowhere near the White House. He's the biggest villain in the history of Seattle sports. He's a complete fraud. And because of that, I have not frequented a Starbucks in 11 years. I never will until we get the NBA back. I might ban it too, damn it, now that I think Good about it. Good for you. Good for you. The hell with it. There's plenty of local establishments in the Bay Area that deserve your money over Starbucks. Screw them. Okay, so we opened the season against you guys in Japan, and you took us to yeah. us for two games. You start out 13-2. and two. Since the right. Mariners have lost 41 of 57, what's going uh, on in Seattle? Well, they stink. Their bullpen's terrible. Their rotation's terrible. And their defense is god-awful. This might be one of the worst defensive teams I've ever seen. Tim Beckham is an absolute terrible defensive shortstop. Omar Narvaez is a complete terrible defensive catcher. Uh, Malik Smith, when he's been in here in center field, uh, couldn't catch a damn cold. So they are really, really bad defensively, which we knew they weren't going to be, you know, wizards on defense, but I didn't think they'd be this bad. Their offense, I thought, would be okay because you're talking about guys when the year began like Domingo Santana, Edwin Encarnacion, Jay Bruce, and Kyle Seeger, who have all had decent years before, all years of 800-plus OPS in their last healthy season, which for some of these guys was just last year. Now, Jay Bruce has been traded out of Philadelphia. Kyle Seeger misses the first two months of the year with the broken finger. Now the whole thing's just, just starting to fall apart. So it all begins with their defense, man. Their defense is awful. Their bullpen today got blown to bits. It just, it's a bad scene all around, but not surprising to anybody because this is exactly what happens when you get rid of Gene Segura and Nelson Cruz and Robinson Cano and James Paxson and Edwin Diaz. There's not a team in baseball that got rid of as much talent as the M's did over the offseason, and now you're seeing what happens when those guys take off. They're terrible. They stink in every aspect of the game. Your park is as good as anybody's in baseball. You might, I think you guys actually have the best food in all of baseball. What they the got he- crickets. They got fried crickets. Have you tried those yet, by the way? Yeah, I, I, I had them on last road trip. I, I, I had no, that. No, I, you didn't. I, I, no, you did I, I had the dumplings at the uh, – oh. oh, that that place is phenomenal, and the short ribs. Oh, trust me. I got fat Okay, happy. first of all, yeah, first of all, the crickets thing is, I mean, come on, Chris. You, you did not try the crickets. You know why? Because here's, here's the problem with the crickets. People say, well, people in foreign countries and third world countries eat fried crickets and fried bugs all the time. 
Why, why can't we eat them? You know why they eat that stuff? Because they have nothing else to eat. That's why they eat that stuff. You got hot dogs and hamburgers and dumplings and, and freaking chocolate covered strawberries at the ballpark, pretzels. What the hell are you eating bugs for, for God's sakes? We have other options. Those poor bastards in those third world countries have no other option, so they have to eat bugs. You don't have to eat bugs, Chris. Please it, don't eat bugs. It's because your people keep bringing them to us. <laughs> yeah, it, it's disgusting. I'm not, there's no way I'm eating a freaking fried cricket, for God's sakes, when there's a piece of pizza right to my left. Get the hell out of here. So how are people feeling about Jerry DePoto? You know, it really kind of incomplete. You know, I mean, he, he's made some good deals. Uh, getting rid of Robinson Cano and his contract uh, was a minor miracle. He had to throw in Edwin Diaz to make it happen, obviously, and then had to pick up some of Jay Bruce's money. So in, in that trade for Robbie Cano uh, and then, you know, subsequently getting rid of Jay Bruce, they netted about $54 million in savings when it was all said and done. So the fact that they were able to climb out of that contract really was, I think, a small victory for Jerry. But in the end, it's going to be all about what happens in the minor leagues, right? They had a bunch of draft picks in this last year's draft. They took five college pitchers with their first five picks, including George Kirby from Emory in North Carolina, or excuse me, Elon in North Carolina. So we'll see. You know, I find it funny. There may, there may have been some high school players that were maybe, uh, you know, players with better upsides, but the college players are, you know, quicker paths to the, to the major leagues, and they need talent as fast as they can get it. So the grade on Jerry so far has been incomplete, made some good deals, made some bad deals, but really for the most part, since Jerry showed up here, he's been cleaning up Jack Zarensic's mess, and now this entire franchise from top to bottom for the most part has his stamp on it. Mitch Hanniger is a local product here. When we heard about the injury, yeah. we went, oh, my God. How is Mitch doing? He's doing all right. You know, he's uh, he's off to a slow start by his standards for sure. It kind of feels like Mitch Hanniger every time at the plate is trying to hit a nine-run homer and, and kind of save the day and get these guys back in it. So he's just got to, you know, maybe shorten up that swing a little bit and get back to the old Hanniger we saw a year ago. But as far as the prospects, as far as the future on this baseball team, if you were to buy one jersey of one player on this team that you could have for five years, I think Mitch Hanniger probably would be that guy that you'd invest in. He's got the most upside, he's got the most talent, and he's under contract for at least four more years with these guys. So he's the one guy that most people consider to be not untradeable because nobody's untradeable, but he's as close as they come. I want to get you back into the bar drinking beers, so let's end on this. Yes. The Rams went 13-3, and the Seahawks 10-6. and The Niners think they're going to be better. How are the Seahawks going to do in the NFC West? Uh, tell me about their defense. Tell me about their secondary because that's concerning to me, right? I mean, there's no Richard Sherman. There's no Earl Thomas. There's no Cam Chancellor. And they lost Frank Clark, and they signed a guy that's injured a lot in Ezekiel Ansa. So I'm a bit concerned about the defense. It's amazing, man, how this thing has flipped. You know, two, three years ago, it was all about the defense carrying the day, and now it's about the offense and Russell Wilson. So a defensive-minded coach in Pete Carroll has some great schemes and great philosophies, and these guys will find a way to adhere to that. But in the end, I think there's a, there's, there's a swagger and there's an intimidation factor that's missing from the Seahawks defense right now. It's got me concerned. Softy, you're the best. Good luck with your bet. All right, big boy. See ya. Go Warriors. Thank you. Golden State Warriors, last game at Oracle. How about that? The last game. You know, there's going to be there's gonna be a few last coming up. A lot of people haven't thought. I, I don't think they've thought about it, to be honest with you. 
There's going to be quite a few. There will be the last Golden State Warrior game tonight. It's happening right now. There will be a last Oakland Raider game at the Oakland Coliseum. And then there will be the last A's game at the Coliseum as they move into their yard. These grand old buildings, things are changing. And I know for some of you how tough that is going to be. I know. But change is inevitable. And it'll be tough for, for really for all of us. We'll talk about that next right here on A's Cast Live. Want to add to your collection of A's memorabilia but can't make it to the Coliseum? During every weekend home series, the Oakland A's Community Fund will hold a digital silent auction through the MLB Ballpark app. You can bid on rare memorabilia items, including baseballs, jerseys, bats, game-used equipment, and autographed items. Proceeds from the silent auction benefit the Oakland A's Community Fund and its initiatives in the community. Download the app at athletics.com slash ballpark app. Who doesn't love a good happy hour? The Cornerstone gives your group a unique happy hour experience. The area treats up to 40 to 50 guests with a package that includes food and beverage along with an intimate pregame experience. Plus, the experience comes with an awesome seating option that we can build to fit your needs. To learn more about the Cornerstone and other unique group experiences, visit athletics.com groups. Athletics.com groups. If you're a baseball fan and a parent, you've probably had to explain to your kid that a 2-2 count isn't something a ballerina wears. As a parent or even a sibling, you may have also had to explain that a makeup game doesn't involve lipstick or mascara. But as a parent and an A's fan, we do hope you know about our new A's stomping ground. This awesome space is open and waiting for you. From awesome new games for kids to interactive activities, the A's Stomping Ground is right for you and your family. So the next time the kids want to know what a sandwich pick is or who got that 2-2 pitch, you will know it's time to go to a ball game and visit the A's Stomping Ground, a free area in right field for kids and families. Visit athletics.com slash stomping ground to learn today. That's athletics.com slash stomping ground. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program, presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com future for more information. Playing in Hero Town, it's only fitting to get your group together to reserve the Budweiser Hero Deck. Located next to the right field foul pole, this awesome new space can hold around 100 people and a bunch of home run balls. With an all-inclusive buffet, now is the time to be the hero of your friends and colleagues by grabbing tickets and a cold one for a great day at the ballpark. For more information about the Budweiser Hero Deck, visit athletics.com premium today. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. 
We mentioned it with Susan Slusser earlier. Tonight, the last night at Oracle Arena for the Golden State Warriors, and they're moving. This happens everywhere, though. I mean, how many buildings last? There's very few in sports. You think of Fenway Park? You think of Wrigley Field? You think of Lambeau Field? Trying to think of a Madison Square Garden? And if I'm missing one out there, I apologize, but everybody wants new digs. And people move. I mean, look at the Texas Rangers. They have a new stadium that was built in 1994. They're moving into another one. That's crazy. At some point, nobody from a professional level of the big four sports will be playing at Oracle at the Coliseum. Now, the A's hopefully are taking over at least half of Oracle and the Coliseum. And they will change it, but they're still going to want a bunch of events in there. You're still going to see concerts. You're still going to do that. Disney on ice and all that kind of stuff. But things are changing at 66th and Hagenberger. Things are changing big time. And it's going to change dramatically in just a couple of hours. As I've seen a lot on Twitter tonight, that this is the final game, the final walk-up, the final this, the final that. I had people asking me, are you going to go? I mean, I covered the Warriors for years. I covered them to their last two championships. I hosted the last two parades. No, I'm good. I've got Ace Cast Live to do. And I went to Pebble Beach today. But it's going to be emotional for a lot of people who have been going to Warrior games their entire life. This is it. Are we ready? How we end every show. A little buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on Ace Cast Live. And Commander Cody, my producer, as Tiger Woods is teeing off on number 18 at Pebble Beach. He's at one under par. Yeah, Tony, you mentioned about how tonight's the last game at Oracle. As someone that didn't grow up in the Bay Area, it's a little different for me with the experience of being at Oracle. I was at the last game at Oracle during the regular season. I have the shirt on right now. It says last game at Oracle. So I know where all, where all my friends are coming from, our former coworkers, people in the industry, fans, where everyone's coming from. I know this is the last game at Oracle. Enjoy it. The Warriors are... You know, the game's going on right now. I won't give you the score update. You can check it out yourself. But uh, we'll, we'll start off, kick, we'll kick off buying or selling with this, Tony. Wait a minute, wait a minute, quickly. I'm seeing this on Twitter. When a text that was, when a text you sent to your spouse accidentally goes to your boss. <laughs> what could dramatically go wrong? I mean, it's about your, you're about, making love to your spouse and actually the text doesn't go to your spouse it goes to your boss wall street journal has just done an article on that on twitter there's ways where that can be very bad especially if your if your boss is a, a female as well that could be that could end poorly for you it could end poorly either way 
But if the Wall Street Journal is writing about this, then it's probably a pretty big deal. Yep. All right. What do you got? All right. Buying or selling number one. The Atlanta Braves should be the favorites to win the National League. Coming into today, actually, no, they won today. The Braves are now 40 and 29 have won seven games in a row. They swept my Pittsburgh Pirates in a four game series. Your guy, Austin Riley, has been clutch for them, delivering the game tying hit last night. The guy's been on a roll. They just signed. It's incredible. Da- just signed Dallas Keuchel. They're only five games behind the Dodgers. And the Brewers are also 39 and 29. You have the Phillies second in the NL East at 39 and 30 entering today. Buying or selling, the Atlanta Braves should be the favorite to win the National League. Selling. Selling. All right. I'm just bringing it. I think the Braves, I think with their young pitching, I think with their offense, you got Brian McCann stepping up in a big way, Freddie Freeman, Ozzie Albies, Ronald Acuna Jr. They have so many good young players. This is supposed to be their year in a division that was supposed to be stacked, as they said, but the Mets struggling, the Nationals struggling. They might sell for our guy Sean Doolittle. So you got and, and you have the Marlins are well they're going nowhere fast, but I think this, this could be the, it could be between them and the Dodgers and they're both analytically driven. But uh, me, if I had to buy, I'm, I'm buying that. I think the Braves will. I think it's going to be Braves Astros. I'm absolutely selling because I'm going to go Dodger baseball and Farmer John. All right, buying or selling number two. I can. I, I mean, I'll, I'll. We can do a food bet on that. All right. Yeah, we'll we'll think of something. You want a burrito bet on that? Burrito. Why don't we do beer or something? trying to keep it a family friendly family, show. Okay. all right all right we'll do burrito bets fine a from burrito bet lovick huh lovick's burrito lovick here in uh the south bay all right with well, the orange sauce there you go deal all right buying or selling number two joe mauer will be the next catcher elected into the baseball hall of fame the twins are retiring joe mauer's number seven on saturday night he will be eligible for the hall of fame in four and a half years mauer finished his career with a 306 average 143 homers 923 rbis he was, a, he was a 2009 AL MVP. He won three batting titles, three gold gloves, five silver sluggers, and was a six-time All-Star. The only other guys that I could think of that would compete against him and their careers are still going are Buster Posey and Yadier Molina. Buying or selling, Joe Maurer will be the next catcher to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. I guess I have to buy it, and the reason why I have to buy it is because our standards have dropped. This used to be the hardest Hall of Fame to get into. And now more people are just fans. The the the, the writers, they're more lenient. I mean, you're talking about putting in a guy that doesn't have a thousand RBIs, that doesn't have 150 home runs. He's got what? A couple gold gloves? Never won a World Series. All right, well, you can't, you can't, that can't, but he did win an MVP. I get it. He had, and it's the same thing with Buster Posey. He had, and he actually had a bigger run than Buster Posey did. Because Buster Posey, if you actually look, I mean, Posey has a couple good years, and after that, he's falling off the cliff. Everybody around here wants to put him in the Hall of Fame. I go, really? I just, I look at the numbers, and I go, he had basically one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I, I, I'm buying. I know he's going to get in because of the standards today. If I had to vote for it, I, I probably would have a hard time voting for him. Now remember, Maurer also had a switch from catcher to first base, too, because of the concussions he suffered. And 
I went back before and broke down the numbers between him and Buster Posey as catchers. They're pretty similar, and Mauer doesn't have the accolades of playing in all those World Series that people want to put down as, you know, Buster Posey's so good because he won all the World Series. I get that, but you can't judge baseball players on a team of nine guys. And all the Yankees would be in. Yeah, exactly. So I think Mauer definitely gets in. I think he's going to be the next guy, but it's going to be close because Yadi Molina, I mean, he's won, he's won, he's a nine-time All-Star, and he's won nine gold gloves, and he's been a better hitter. I believe he is a Hall of Famer. See, the thing with me with Mauer is Mauer played a bandbox in the Metrodome. And the minute he got out of the Metrodome, the numbers just shoot. They're just. I, well, I think one year he broke 20 home runs. It was the year he won the MVP in 2009. Yeah, he had 28. Let's go over after. after. So he was 26 years old. He hits 28 home runs. He's the MVP hitting 365. Oh, it's a monster year. These are his home runs after the 28. 9, 3, 10, 11, 4, 10, 11, 7, 6. And only one after that MVP year, he only went won one more Gold Glove. So, basically, after he was 26 years old, he was never close to the same player after 26. Never even close. The only thing with him I like is he has the three batting titles, which is hard to do as a catcher. But as we saw later in his career, he kind of fell off. And you're right. I mean, he played at the Metrodome, and they moved into Target Field, and he saw his numbers plummet. Although the Twins now are hitting home runs at an alarming rate at Target Field, anywhere they go. But um, I love I, I love when people love to uh, – never mind, go, go on. I know we got more. All right, this this one will be good for you. Buying or selling, no player will ever hit 400 again in a season. But now we know the 400 is quite – hitting 400 is quite the feat. No hitter has – no qualified hitter has done it since 1941 when J- Ted Williams hit 406. Many have tried. Cody Bellinger was at 404 through the 49th game for the Dodgers this season. The closest we've seen was in 1980 when George Red hit 390 – through 134 games for the Kansas City Royals. The next closest was John Olerud with the Toronto Blue Jays in 1993, where he ended up hitting 363, but he was over 400 through 100. Gwen was 394 at the strike. At the strike, yeah, that was in the article written by friend of the show Sarah Langs, which she qualified it by saying Olerud. Uh, I have it somewhere in here, locked down in the article. But buying or selling, no player will ever hit 400 again in a season. Oh, totally buying. You're seeing too many pitchers. The pressure would be so immense. All these guys talk about what the pressure was like. That all of a sudden you're hitting 400, but you weren't trying to hit 400. And then all of a sudden here comes the media. This is something George Brett talked about. All of a sudden now I'm trying to hit 400, and that's when you're doomed. By the way, quickly, that MVP year for Joe Maurer when he was 26 was at the Metrodome. All the other years where he completely drops off offensively was all at Target Field. Once yeah. he went to, a, once he got out of a bandbox, he was never the same guy. When you, I heard you on the broadcast a few times saying you can't play a game outside uh, in Tampa Bay. You can't play games outside in in Minnesota. It snows too much. The weather's too unpredictable. They're doing and it, you, and you saw, yeah, they're doing it's it now. They're it shouldn't you, be a retractable roof. Exactly. All right, we'll try to sneak two more in real quick. Uh, Hung Jin Ryu from the Dodgers will have a better season than Jacob DeGrom did last year, buying or selling. Ryu is currently 9-1 with a 135 ERA on the season through 13 games. Jacob DeGrom last year through 13 starts was 4-1 with a 156 ERA and 80 innings pitch. He allowed 14 earned runs. DeGrom finished the season 10-9 with a 170 ERA and won the NL Cy Young Award and finished fifth. How many innings did DeGrom go? Uh, last year, I, it was over 200, I believe. Okay, he had I, I, I'm selling because the Dodgers will not allow Ryu to pitch that many, not even close to that many innings. The Dodgers are about limiting all their guys in innings to save them for the postseason. So since I know for a fact he won't sniff 200, 
No way am I saying that's better than Jacob DeGrom. All right, last one here. Buying or selling. The dynasty for the Golden State Warriors comes to an end tonight. Are you trying to make me the bad guy? Well, I'm not from here, so yeah. Are you buying? Uh, I'm buying, yes. I think it's done. I mean, I mean, well, who knows what KD's going to do. We spent literally all season talking about this. The Warriors are trying to three-peat. They're trying to be the first team to three-peat in a long time. They have so many accolades, but I think the Toronto's too good and the Warriors are too depleted. The question is tonight. Yeah, I think I think it's over. I think it's done tonight. I sell. I'm not saying when it's over. I'm not going to be the bad guy. I'm just going to say it. the question is tonight, to be specific. The Warriors dynasty will not end tonight at Oracle. All right, that is going to do it for Ace Cast Live with Chris Townsend. We'll be back on the field tomorrow. Remember, it's fireworks night tomorrow night. We'll see you at the ballpark, but we will start tomorrow here on Ace Cast Live at 4 o'clock. Enjoy all the great programming here on Ace Cast, and we'll see you live tomorrow at 4 p.m. from the Coliseum. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.